Blog Talk Radio. the number one internet sports talk show in the world. My name is Tom Marquis del Presidente. Welcome to this thing we call the balance. We do this every Saturday morning between 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. You are my minions. You will pay homage to me for the next two hours as I am on loan from God to walk you through that crazy world we call sports. Welcome aboard also our affiliate radio station's all across the United States. Hopefully my voice sticks around for me a little bit. It's one of those days where you just can't get your voice to do what you do, what it do, what it do. And when when you talk for a living, you kind of need your voice. You kind of need your voice. So 917-889-8516 is our digits. Kind of give you a roadmap of what we got going on today. Matthew Embry, our official IndyCar contributor, may or may not be calling us. <laughs> he is having some phone issues, and uh, so we'll hope to, to connect with him. Obviously, he's our official IndyCar contributor. Uh, IndyCar back in action in Pocono at the Tricky Triangle. We'll see what's going on there. Also, big announcement this week. Uh, uh, Alon- Fernando Alonso going to make a big announcement. Will he be coming to IndyCar? A lot of people don't know. A lot of people want to know. We're going to talk about that, hopefully, anyway, uh, with Matthew Embry. Uh, And then uh, uh, Bristol NASCAR is down in Bristol, baby. Bristol, Tennessee. Tennessee? Maybe it's Virginia. I don't know. I think it's Tennessee. Who knows? But anyway, they're in Bristol, and so we'll be, uh, uh, we won't be able to talk with Steve Wilson today, so we won't be having our NASCAR segment, but uh, coming up in a half hour, our executive producer, Rick Riggin, will be joining us for a preview of what's coming up on Wednesday. We're breaking. Rake is coming back. That's right. Back on the air, college football talk every Wednesday night between 8 p.m. and 9 p.m. Eastern. Uh, so you want to make sure you mark that down on your calendars. So we're going to be talking about some college football coaching changes and stuff and kind of getting geared up for breaking rank, which starts this Wednesday, 8 o'clock p.m. 10 o'clock at top of the second hour, Ed Kratz, beat writer for Philadelphia Eagles. Going to join us, our official NFL contributor. NFL preseason rolls on. Yeah, Philadelphia uh, met the New England Patriots again, <clears throat> and uh, the results were not the same. But that's okay, because it didn't matter. And Nick Foles kind of got banged up in that, too. So we'll be talking with uh, Ed Kratz about that as well. And then Mo for the BS Sports Show joins us. And as you know, Mo and and myself and Rick, uh, we just kind of, well, 
BS about sports. My name is Tom Marquisell, Presidente. Stick around. It's about to get good. We'll be right back right here on the Balance Radio Network. Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family. So the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. It's double trouble, double the fun. At African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio, see the largest antelope on Earth, the giant eland, and the ugliest creature on Earth, the African warthog. There's so much to see and do, including the Midwest's only drive through safari. Feed the animals. See live educational shows. Feel the excitement. Have your picture taken with a python or cockatoo. Feel the adventure. Shop the Simba Lodge gift shop with items available from around the globe. Visit the snack bar or picnic facilities. Enjoy a pony or camel ride. Or cheer your favorite porker on to victory in the famous Pork Chop Down. Bring your family to see the rare and exotic animals at African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio. Just take Route 2 to the Route 53 North exit and follow the sign. Only 17 miles west of Cedar Point via Route 6. Open every day, rain or shine. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything. Tonight, I just want to take you away. Slow down, it's a bit of 
All right, and welcome back to The Balance. My name is Tom Mark with Sale Presidente, 917-889-8516 is our digits. You have... You are here. You have arrived another Saturday morning, and we are about to get things under roll. <clears throat> Typically, we would have uh, Matthew Embry, and again, let me apologize for my voice. It's just not cooperating, but we're going to make it through, as they say, the show must go on. Uh, Matthew Embry, we're efforting to get through to him. I don't know that that's going to happen, uh, but uh, IndyCar is in uh, – uh, Pocono, the mountains of Pocono, uh, in beautiful Pennsylvania, uh, and not in the city of Philadelphia, which we'll be talking with Ed Kratz from the Philadelphia, a beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles from USA Today. Uh, we'll be talking with him in the second hour about NFL preseason and the Philadelphia Eagles. You know, this week we heard some uh, rumblings, if you will, uh, from Fernando Alonso. To make a big announcement, a big announcement coming soon. And a lot of people will have the conversation. Okay, all right, here we go. Let's get ready. Uh, silly season's going to start early. And uh, maybe Fernando, maybe we're we, we wondering, we're talking, we're thinking, we're shrugging our shoulders. Uh, but is Fernando Alonso going to be a full time IndyCar dri- driver? Not bloody likely. I don't think so. And uh, I could be proven wrong. I've been proven wrong in the past. Very few times. Let's let's make sure that we know that. Very few times am I wrong about anything. But I would say that there's a lot of things that have to come into play relatively quickly for him to be a full-time IndyCar driver uh, for uh, a full season beginning next season. And one of those, the most obvious, is who's he going to drive for? What car is he going to have? Is he going to is he going to be with McLaren? Is he going to be with Honda? And he's going to be fought over by everyone. So who moves? Who doesn't move? I mean, you could look at the the scenario that they have the relation. He has the relationship with Andretti. Now, what I will say most definitely that I think Fernando Alonso will definitely run in the Indianapolis 500. And that would probably be a little bit easier to, for him to find a car and a ride. Um, it'd be interesting how that, that plays out. Uh, it could be one big sideshow uh, down at uh, uh, 16th and Georgetown here in Indianapolis, which, we're, which is where we flagship from high atop the balance studios in the West suburbs of Indianapolis, Indiana. Uh, so that's our home track. So, uh, but uh, you know, Tony Stewart's going to be running the Indianapolis 500. Uh, he's like, well, I don't want there to be any sideshows. Well, there's going to be a sideshow whether or not Fernando Alonso uh, shows up or not, because you're there. That's just how it is. And so, uh, let's let's not uh, let's not cozy up to the idea that there'll be no sideshows uh, with the Indianapolis 500 this year, because there's going to be a sideshow. And, you know, especially if we're – so that's the possibility. So, you know, here's some of the scenarios to look at with Fernando. And, you know, it could come, to, it could come together, most definitely. So let's look at possible options because there's only a handful of teams. Well, actually, there's probably – there's probably only three teams. I would say there's only three teams that could, could handle – 
Fernando Alonso, meaning financially, uh, sponsorship, car, everything that comes into play with the Indianapolis, uh, 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 the IndyCar series. So, where does he go? Well, let's look at some possibilities. And again, we're just going on face value. He says big announcement coming, and uh, we can only assume that it has something to do with IndyCar. My guess is he's going to announce that he's going to run in the Indianapolis 500, which that's a given. I, I would be shocked if the announcement is that he's going to run full-time with IndyCar, especially not having a team. Now, it's like I say, it's a lot easier to for a guy like Fernando Alonso to run one, one race, it's a lot easier for our team to accommodate him. So let's talk about his relationship with McLaren and Honda. Okay, so there is that divisiveness. Now, let's just assume that let's, let's table McLaren for the moment. Let's just, and, and again, for a moment, because that is going to come to be an important piece to this puzzle with Fernando Alonso. Uh, but let's just table that for a second. Let's look at Honda. So that's your relationships with Honda. Uh, you've got Andretti. Uh, you've got Pinsky, Chip Canassi. Again, those are the three people that you can take a look at. Uh, so Andretti would probably do anything, literally anything, to get Fernando Alonso as a full-time ride. So he's certainly going to be a player. Uh, the Andretti's, the Andretti Motorsports, uh, is certainly going to be a player. It might be that they they make some shifts. You know, they might they might they might get rid of a driver to make room for Fernando Alonso. And when you're Fernando Alonso, you can absolutely make those demands. Uh, but of course, we're just we're just speculating at this point. Another likely. Uh, spot, which I think could be the most reality of things uh, because of what's going on in the stables uh, with both Chip Canassi and uh, Pinsky and talks even without Fernando Alonso of, uh, you know, Simon Patijan and and other drivers wanting to make a move. Chip Canassi uh, also has with nothing said about Fernando Alonso wanting to add another car. Certainly just uh, seeming it, it, uh, his relationship with Scott Dixon. So that's a possibility, most likely possibility, would be with Penske. Now, that would also mean that there would have to be some driver changes. And with uh, uh, Chip Canassi, I believe, adding on a, a second full-time ride, I mean another full-time ride, to the the stables with Chip Canassi uh, to be teammate with Scott Dixon uh, could open up the opportunities from somebody from Penske to move over to Canassi. If that happens, then certainly Penske is going to be in play for for Fernando Alonso. Again, again, what we're doing is just simply speculating that Fernando Alonso, of course, a world-renowned driver in the Formula One race, as you might remember, he, he uh, raced here a couple of years ago in Indianapolis, did fairly well, and certainly 
uh, talk about a, a sideshow when he came and tested and, and, and was getting ready for the Indianapolis 500. Uh, the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and IndyCar Radio Network and IndyCar did their channel or YouTube channels and streamed it live. And it was one of the most watched uh, things on their YouTube channel ever. So that tells you how big of a name Fernando Alonso is. He's big. So that said, one of the biggest drivers in the world says they're leaving. We know that he has said that he wants to race IndyCar full-time. The other Alonzo is money. He is the, he well, let's just say he's not hurting for money. Let's just say that he made a buttload of money in Formula One. But he would take a, a pay deduction or reduction in pay. It doesn't matter what team he goes because there's no way that IndyCar, no team in IndyCar can afford to pay him what he was getting paid uh, with Formula One. No way. It's just not possible. So he's going to take a pay cut. He doesn't seem to be bothered by that. So there's a lot of positive signs that say Fernando Alonso is going to be coming to Indianapolis. A lot of positive signs. Uh, but the other, the other uh, uh, scenario would be the European sports car. Um, the European sports car uh, series. As we know, which is where Elio Casanevas races, still with Penske. And, you know, that, that brings up another scenario. Obviously, Elio Casanevas has promised a seat to race in the Indianapolis 500 again this year. So he's going to be back this year with Penske. So if nothing changes and, he's, and Fernando Alonso is going to come to Indianapolis for one race, it may not be Penske. It might be Andretti. Because then that would mean that Penske would have to fill the fifth car. That would be a, a steep undertaking. But it's, it's possible. But we, we, we would see what happened. IndyCar, though, race weekend in Pocono. They call it the Tricky Triangle. And so see what's going on with, with IndyCar. Um, so make sure also, you know... Now, I know we're a radio show, so I'm going to encourage people to listen to the radio. But really, I would encourage you to listen to the IndyCar race uh, on the radio. Turn down the TV or whatever. The IndyCar Radio Network does a fantastic job uh, of broadcasting uh, IndyCar races. Well, let's kind of move on down the road here. Let's mosey on down the road. 917-889-8516 is our digits. Make sure that you are following us on the media of social. Twitter, at T-Balance. Follow us on Facebook, The Balance. And then we've got a whole family of Twitterers, too. You know, we've got at Breaking Rank, which is college football, at Hot Corner, which is uh, our, our pretty much focuses on the MLB, uh, at Pro Indy, which is nothing but Indianapolis sports. We talk about the Colts, the Pacers, the Indians, the Fever, really the, the fuel. If it, if, it, uh, if it is housed here in Indianapolis, we talk about it there on that Twitter. But the mothership, if you will, is at T 
Balance. Thanks for joining us, our facilitator, Blog Talk Radio, who launches us all across the United States. And also, uh, we have uh, listeners in, in other countries, too. So we're global. That's right. Uh, coming up here in about 15 minutes or so, we hope. <laughs> we'll get into that. Oh, we'll, we'll just call that a teaser. Uh, we may have to publicly shame Rick Riggin, but all in good fun, of course. He is our executive producer, does a great job behind the scenes um, for us. And he also <laughs> will be the – even though I'll be on Wednesday nights 8 to, to 9 p.m., I'm going to give him the host mic, and I'm going to kind of uh, trade places with him for that show. And I'm going to be the co-host, and he's going to be the host of, of Breaking Rank. So, which is our college football talk, and and uh, we'll lean a lot on college football with uh, with Rick Reagan. So. We're going to get into that talk as well. We're going to talk. Well, you know, there's a lot going on in, in the NC in the NF college football NCAA football arena right now. Certainly, that with Urban Meyer, uh, we just saw the the strengthening coach of Maryland get uh, well, not officially yet, be released. Is there something in the water in the Big Ten? So maybe we'll get, kind of get into that conversation. But really what we're going to talk about today, uh, Rick and I is going to, for about a half hour or so, we're going to kind of break down uh, college football ch- uh, uh, coaching changes. What was a good change? What was a bad change? What, what, what's going to happen? What's, we're, going to, we're going to make our predictions. That, hey, that's going to be a, a, a success. That's going to be an epic fail. Uh, so we're going to get into that that conversation here in a, in a few minutes. NASCAR down in Bristol. Got a lot of some racing in Bristol, probably one of the greatest tracks uh, to watch a NASCAR race. 6.30 tonight, NBC Sports. Check it out. I tell you what, NASCAR's had some good races over the last couple weeks, most definitely. Probably one of the best most recently uh, was um, – Chicago and uh, Watkins Glen. Woo-wee! That was some racing. <laughs> of course, Kevin Harvick won, uh, won last week up in Michigan. Kevin Harvick is probably uh, almost, uh, I tell you what, I would not bet against him in a, for a championship because he is freaky fast. It's a play on words because Jimmy, uh, Jimmy Johns is his sponsor and uh, – too early in the morning for my lame jokes, huh? This week was also uh, um, National Joke Day. So maybe you uh, heard some good jokes. Do you got jokes? <laughs> I need help. I need help. NFL preseason rolls on along. Baltimore Ravens in town doing a joint practice with the Indianapolis Colts. Monday night football, Indianapolis, Baltimore. See what happens. Good to see old Andrew Luck throwing a football in the game. I think we'll see him on in uh, – I think we'll see him most – I would 
I would be shocked if we didn't see him at least through most of the first half. Uh, so we'll see what what how that how that happens. There's some scores to to catch up catch you up on. Uh, the Phillies beat the Mets four to two. The next next Chicago Cubs beat the the Pirates. As you guys know, I'm a diehard I'm a diehard St. Louis Cardinal fan. The Reds beat the the Giants. My St. Louis Cardinals beat the Milwaukee Brewers five two. Today we got some. Uh, you got the Jacksonville Jaguars, Minnesota Vikings. Tomorrow, Monday. I'm sorry, Monday. Like I already mentioned, you've got the Indianapolis Colts and the Baltimore Ravens. Also, some scores of interest, maybe perhaps. To you, Oakland A's over the Houston Astros, four to three. The Dodgers over Seattle, eleven to one. Other NFL preseason action: Kansas City over Atlanta, twenty-eight fourteen. The Giants over uh, the uh, Rick Riggins Lions, thirty to seventeen. Buffalo nineteen to seventeen against Cleveland. We're going to get into this in the second hour. But who is Cleveland's quarterback? Taylor, maybe. We'll see. <laughs> They've definitely got a quarterback controversy there in Cleveland. Also, I saw this week that for the first game that the Cleveland Browns wins, there's a local bar that's going to get free beer. I guess he, he felt like that was a pretty safe bet. <laughs> He's not going to lose any money on that one, is he? I know. I know. Hey, you know what, though? I, 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 for the, you know... The Cleveland Browns, the mistake on the lake, we, we like to poke fun at them, but they're due. They only won one game last year. I think it was one. Or did they not win any? I don't know. We'll see what happens. Carolina Panthers over the Miami Dolphins. Arizona over New Orleans, 20-15. to 15. We'll talk a little bit about Patrick Mahomes in the second hour over there at KC. See what's going on. Talk about some of the injury reports. Also, a little fantasy football action. If you want to get involved in our fantasy football uh, league here at the Balance, just uh, shoot us a message on Twitter at T Balance, and uh, we'll get you signed up. We only have just a very limited space on the um, for the league, so I suspect that'll be gobbled up relatively quickly. So. If you do want to play in the Balanced Fantasy League, it is very, very, very important that you go to at T-Balance and shoot us a direct message. Say, I want in. I want to be a part of this fantasy stuff. <laughs> it's not the same kind of fantasy that Jimmy Garoppolo had, though. But that's a whole nother show. <laughs> oh, man. For those of you that that, that don't uh, follow the world of sports like I do, Jimmy Garoppolo uh, takes his porn star MILF girlfriend uh, out in public on a date in Beverly Hills. TMZ got a hold of it. Joining us now, Rick Riggin, our executive producer. Good morning, sir. Is it just, it's just Rick today, huh? It's just Rick today, huh? 
Just Rick. No, I mean, no, <laughs> I'm feeling rushed. I just did like an hour's worth of stuff in about 20 minutes because I thought this college football segment wasn't going until 930 Central. Dude, we have got to just learn you the time zones. <laughs> well, you said you yeah. wasn't doing NASCAR, and you just said Ed was calling at 9, so I just figured the show wasn't starting until 9, which is when I was just going to call anyway. <laughs> and then NAS- uh, college football wasn't going until 9.30. The show always starts on time, 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern, but that's okay. You know, that's okay, Rick. We were going to give you a pass. No public shaming, no public flogging or anything like that because we got breaking rank coming back on Wednesday. You're going to be driving the ship on that. We're going to get into this college football uh, house, uh, shake and bake of college football coaches before Ed calls in at 10 and talk a little bit about the NFL preseason. But talk with us a little bit before we go to break, come back, get into this college uh, football coaching uh, changes. Uh, talk with us a little bit about breaking rank, what it is, and why the hell should anybody listen to us? Wednesday night at 8 o'clock. Well, they really need to listen to us Wednesday night at 8 o'clock because it's midweek. We get past the overreactions of the uh, who lost and who won, or in some cases it would be great overreactions because, you know, they face off who lost and who won. But midweek leading into the uh, next weekend's games, and plus, you know, we have a lot of podcasts. They, we get a lot of podcast downloads and this way it gives our listeners time to uh, listen to us, download the podcast, really, and then see what games we're talking about as opposed to like in the past when we would talk about college football basically an hour before every game started, you know, before the game started. And that gave like our listeners no time to, to listen to our podcast. So now we're uh, going to do it this way for college football, do it midweek, give our uh, listeners, you know, half a week or so to uh, take in what, what we say and that's why we're doing breaking rank. Plus, I like the old show anyway, breaking down the rankings. Uh, but we're going to do it a little differently now. We're just not going to do it the same lame old way where you start in order one through twenty-five or one through ten or however you want to do. It. We want to talk about who's deserving to be in the top twenty-five or top ten or top five, whatever, whatever we want to talk about, or we're going to talk about why they don't deserve to be there. So it's going to be a fun show. I'm looking forward to it absolutely. Breaking rank every Wednesday night, eight o'clock. I guess uh, a Wednesday night, 8 o'clock. That's August the 22nd. And by the way, that's 8 o'clock Eastern. So if you are on the West Coast, that's 5 o'clock p.m. If you are on Mountain Time, that's 6 o'clock p.m. If you're on Rick's Central Time, that's 7 o'clock p.m. Okay? I think we covered all the time zones. So you're either going to listen at 5, 6, 7, or 8. But we're going to start at 8 o'clock. Eastern time. Got that, Rick? Good? You good with that? Got it. <laughs> uh, I don't have a choice. I'm the show. <laughs> That's right. Better get your prep done, brother. Better get your prep going. All right, we'll be right back. Gonna take a break. Come back. Gonna get into this college football coaches. Who's in? Who's out? Uh, kind of talk about. Uh, is it, do we think it's going to be a success? Not a success. Uh, all in the next half hour. My name is Tom Marquis. Rick Riggin. We'll be right back. Right here on the Bells Radio Network.
The Air National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. It's double trouble, double the fun. At African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio, see the largest antelope on Earth, the giant eland, and the ugliest creature on Earth, the African warthog. There's so much to see and do, including the Midwest's only drive-through safari. Feed the animals. See live educational shows. Feel the excitement. Have your picture taken with a python or cockatoo. Feel the adventure. Shop the Symbol Lodge gift shop with items available from around the globe. Visit the snack bar or picnic facilities. Enjoy a pony or camel ride. Or cheer your favorite porker on to victory in the famous Pork Chop Down. Bring your family to see the rare and exotic animals at African Safari Wildlife Park in Portland, Ohio. Just take Route 2 to the Route 53 North exit and follow the sign. Only 17 miles west of Cedar Point via Route 6. Open every day, rain or shine. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. Let's start the party. All right, and welcome back to the balance. Myself and Executive Rick Riggin is ready to get things going with college football uh, talk. Uh, kind of who's out, who's in, college football, shake, bake. Kind of a, uh, a uh, precursor, pre-breaking uh, rink uh, show that starts on Wednesday night. Rick Riggin's going to be your host. Rick. I humbly, humbly give you the host mic for the next half hour. Let's talk about some of these coaching changes and um, 
you just uh, you you're on, sir. You're live. Go for it. All right. Sir. So really, I want to hammer at the next 20, 25 minutes, uh, whatever we have here, on what coaching changes are going to fit in college football and what uh, really isn't going to work. What was a bad hire from the get-go, uh, a bad coaching change, and uh, what and then uh, what changes are really going to work. And I want to hear from you, 917-889-8516 is the number to go ahead and call in now and tell us what you think. And, and Tom, I, I think I want to start with what coaching changes really aren't going to work from the get-go. Uh, we got Joe Moorhead at Mississippi State was the offensive coordinator at Penn State. Uh, Jimbo Fisher takes over at Texas A&M. Jeremy Pruitt at Tennessee. Scott Frost at Nebraska. Uh, Willie Taggart leaves Oregon after one year to go to Florida State. Chip Kelly at UCLA. Uh, did you catch all that so far? Because I want to hear from you right off the bat on a, what do you think, uh, what coaching change here would, would just not work? What is not a good fit? Well, I don't know about it not being a good fit. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Jimbo Fisher and, and Haggard over there at, at Florida State. You know, I think, and, and call it a hot take if you will, but I think Jimbo Fisher just basically snubbed the nose to the Seminole fans and said, hey, screw you, I'm getting paid more money, and that's what matters. I'm chasing the money. Is that what happened? Does that mean that it was a bad hire for uh, for Jim, uh, for uh, Haggard? Was that a bad hire for Florida State to hire Haggard because they had to because Jimbo Fisher kind of just took off and left because of the money? What are your thoughts on where he went and the hire there at Florida State? I mean, because I don't know if well, it was a good hire or a bad hire, but certainly Jimbo Fisher should have never left Florida State. I agree. I actually just don't understand the move. It has to be a, a money move, obviously. He's got one of the biggest, not the biggest, uh, contract now for head coach in college football. But – to move from the ACC where he had a chance to, to win that. Yeah, I know Clemson's really good every year, and now we have a couple teams like Miami and NC State have stepped up in, in that conference. But he had a chance to compete with Clemson every single year, and that was really only the other top dog in that conference he had to worry about. So he had a chance to make the playoff every single year. Last year didn't work so what? well because of injuries. But now he moves to the SEC and has to compete against Bama and all these SEC teams in Texas. They have to compete not just on the football field, but in recruiting. And that's where that's where I think this is a bad fit. And this is going to hurt Jimbo Fisher. Well, you got to look at Texas A&M. They, they had Kevin Solomon. What, he only won, like, seven games or something. So, Jimbo Fisher is an Aggie now. Uh, but I just wonder, and I wondered every – I'm like you, I don't understand the move. Why in the world did they try so – clearly was a successful coach. Urban Meyer is a, a successful coach. Uh, uh, Nick Saban is a successful coach. So clearly they want to go after successful coaches. It, it's not, it doesn't baffle to me as to why they would want to go after a successful coach. But why did they try so hard for Jimbo Fisher? I, I don't know. Maybe you've got a, a better, better thought on yeah, that. I don't really know. I mean, he is a national championship winning coach. They won the title under, under uh, when they had Jameis Winston at quarterback. But move just doesn't make any sense to me. And I just don't think it's going to be a good fit. I don't think this year is going to be real successful. When we take a look at their schedule, I mean, their their second week, their game two for them is against Clemson, and then they're not going to be competitive in that game. Uh, you know, they start against Northwestern State, uh, five bonus points. They may call to anybody who calls in nine one seven eight eight nine eight five one six and tells me um tells me where Northwestern State is at. Cause I know where it is actually. <laughs> 
Uh, so yeah, I, you'll, you'll I get have your no father. Idea. Illinois. Yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> it's basically hey. the exact opposite of, of where you think Northwestern State would be. <laughs> Texas. Well, pretty close. It's it's down in Louisiana, but uh, yeah, you know, they, uh, two's against Clemson, and then uh, week five here, or week four actually is uh, against Alabama. So. Two of uh, Jimbo Fisher's first four this year is against Clemson, Alabama, the best two teams in college football. So, you know, Clemson's been you know national champion two years ago, and Alabama's the defending national champion. So there you go. I mean, he's got Dabo and Saban coming up uh, two of the first four weeks. Well, you know, one of the the uh, the other uh, coaching changes that. I, still yet to prove itself to play itself out. That's out there out there at SMU. Uh, Chad Morris is out, but they they hired Sonny Dykes, and he's not a proven coach. I mean, he's not proven that he could do jack squat with anybody, let alone be a head coach. No, but the uh, the more intriguing one here is Chad Morris actually left SMU to go to Arkansas, and I actually think that's going to be a great move for Arkansas. This is going to take some time to develop. Just like all culture changes do take about three to four years. You know, fans always want their teams to turn them out around immediately. But Chad Morris is going to have Arkansas turned around here. I, I bet in two years this is going to be an eight, nine-win uh, football team for Arkansas. Well, I think you're right. Arkansas needed to get rid of Belema, uh, Belema, Beluma. Hey, Brett, Brett Bielma. <laughs> Bielma. Whatever the heck his name is, he he wasn't good for the program. So we'll, we'll see uh, what happens. Obviously, there was also a, a coaching change, uh, Rick. And, and you're the driver. I'm sorry. I, it's yeah, hard for me to I take off the whole you... So go. <laughs> Can't let me do that, right. sir, because I'll do it every single time. It's like it's like putting meat in front of a dog uh, face and telling them not to eat it. Go ahead, sir. I will go ahead and throw out there. I think the worst uh, coaching move, the worst decision, the worst hire out of all this, and the least successful it's going to be is Herm Edwards taking over Arizona State. I, I don't understand this one at all. Herm Edwards hasn't coached in what, Tom, seven or eight years out of the NFL at least? Uh, this, well, he didn't even know. He didn't even know the mascot at, at – uh, <laughs> remember that press conference? <laughs> and if he thinks he's going to bring some kind of NFL scheme in from like eight years ago to work in college football, they will not win a game. I, mean, I don't care what athletes they have on that football team. This is the this is the worst one out of all of them, I, I believe. I see Arizona State maybe winning three games this year yeah, under Herm Edwards. It's going to be a rough go at Arizona State, and I don't see Herm Edwards, Herm Edwards being there for too long. Well, if I may uh, not be the host but ask the host a question, uh, Jeremy, uh, Jeremy Pruitt out, out there at Tennessee, what are your thoughts? Uh, this is another one that he actually inherits a, a pretty talented team. It's just uh, I don't know if he can get – Tennessee going as quickly as Kirby Smart got, you know, left Alabama and got Georgia going, but I think that they will be a, a much more disciplined, much more solid football team, and there's going to be some early success. They're going to have some bumps and bruises along the way here in this first year, but this team is going to be better than I think what the experts are thinking. I'm thinking a solid eight and nine win football team here, a, a good bowl game, and then we get to two, three-year mark with Jerry Pruitt there, and that offense fully gets – or his offense and defense, his schemes get fully installed. He's got his own recruits coming in for the next year or two. Uh, this is going to be a, a dangerous team to watch to watch for. I think Jerry Pruitt is that good of a coach. 
and it just takes takes a couple years to get fully installed, you know. But I I think this year, I'm thinking maybe eight wins. I could be the over under eight and a half. A lot of people probably take the under, but I'm thinking eight wins for for Tennessee this year. I think it's going to be a good fit. Well, you know, everybody knows I'm a fan of Clay Travis, and Clay Travis is a, a big uh, uh, Tennessee fan, uh, and he's in favor of it. So my guess is let's let's go with it. Let's go with it. Let's see what happens. I really do like Jeremy Pruitt. I'm not just saying that, but uh, Clay Travis has his hand on the pulse of the SEC, and uh, that whole yeah. that whole cluster uh, uh, cluster word you can use on the radio of the coaching changes with Tennessee over in, over the last season was a total dumpster fire. So he's hired. No, he's not. Yes, no, he's hired. That was the <laughs> the worst the worst uh, dumpster uh, fire as well. So yeah, I, I think I'm looking for good things. Good things. Uh, I, I agree, and you know we can go ahead and flip this to uh, culture changes that are probably going to be good fits here, and we'll start with Joe Moorhead, Mississippi State, who actually inherits like the best situation a coach could ask for. That whenever uh, Dan Mullen was, uh, we didn't even talk about Dan Mullen yet, but we need, yeah, we'll bring him up here in a minute. Dan Mullen was at Mississippi State, and he had like two or three in a row top five, top three recruiting classes in the country. And now Joe Moorhead comes in and inherits all that talent. This is the best setup team for any of, the, any of these coaching changes. Uh, just the downside to Mississippi State is just being in the SEC. But I do believe Mississippi State is going to be uh, tough for teams like Alabama and Georgia and Florida to, to play against. Actually, I, th- I think they're going to beat Florida this year, Stan Mullen's old team, so or a current team. But Joe well, Moorhead, your thoughts, thoughts on Joe Moorhead? Well, yeah, he's a new coach at Mississippi State. I mean, kudos uh, to Mississippi State for really looking outside the SEC bubble. That's kind of rare uh, to replace uh, Dan Mullen, and uh, deservedly so. And uh, yeah, but uh, now he was the offensive coordinator for Penn State. Is that correct? My That's correct right. On that? Okay. Yep. Yeah. Um, so you know, kudos to them. I, I think. Uh, I mean, he, he should uh, have a lot of the custom. I mean, I, I'm curious. I'm curious though. Because he does come from the Big Ten, we know that the Big Ten schemes and the way they look at things, the way they play the game—two different worlds between the Big Ten and the SEC. And you know, I'm curious to see how that—that that might be a, a learning curve for him. But I think I, I totally agree with you. Mississippi State got a, got a good man there down there for the Rebels. Well, he might have some SEC experience anyway because he's under James Franklin. James Franklin, before went to Penn State, was at Vanderbilt, so he might have some ties and, and knowledge and everything about all these SEC teams anyway. I'm just not sure offhand if he was on the same staff with James Franklin at Vanderbilt. Well, if he, manage, if he manages to pull out a win against the Bulldogs, he will be legendary. Go right ahead, sir. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so here's a culture change right here that very popular would have happened. Uh, made all, all the headlines, and I'm actually on the bubble for this one. Uh, we might have wanted to include this one into the coaching changes that might not fit, but I'm not sure about it, and that is Chip Kelly at UCLA. And my reasoning for this is because I guess Chip Kelly is not going to bring that high-flying Oregon-style offense that he had at Oregon, and he tried to take to the NFL with him. He's not going to take that at UCLA. He's came out and said they're going to be like a, an NFL-balanced you know, style team, 
But that's crazy to me because he didn't know how he didn't run an NFL-style team while he's in the NFL. So I don't know how that's going to work at UCLA either. If this is going to be truly successful, we're going to have to have that crazy high-tempo Oregon offense at the bend but don't, but don't break defense because if you were – Watched Oregon, they could score 50 points a game, and it didn't matter how many they they gave up because they were going to win regardless. But that's the system he needs to bring bring to UCLA, and not this uh, NFL style that I guess he didn't really run in the in the NFL. So he's going to have to bring his high flying Oregon offense in, and I'm thinking that's the reason why it's not going to work because that's not what he's going to be doing at UCLA. Here's the thing. Chip Kelly got that job because he's Chip Kelly, and that's the only reason he got that job. Let's face it. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if you're Nick Saban. We'll just use him because he's probably one of the most popular football coaches next to Urban Meyer, which is no longer one of the most popular uh, football coaches. And breathe, Tom. I would say that he is <laughs> – I do the same it, thing. <laughs> it, it, doesn't, uh, it doesn't matter who the coach is. There's only one team, football team – I'm talking football – in the – in Southern California that matters, and that's USC. So it doesn't matter who the coach is. UCLA football is still going to be UCLA football. Can they get some wins? Can they get to a bowl game? Uh, Possibly. Probably. I mean, Chip Kelly is a good coach, and I would say as far as being on the bubble, it was a good hire for UCLA. I mean, good vision, (laughs) but he's he's not going to do at UCLA what he did in Oregon. The more curious question about that is how uh, Crystal Ball, Crystal Ball, Crystal Ball, Crystal Ball, the new Crystal Ball, Crystal Ball, Crystal Ball. No, it's not like, Crystal. Uh, it's Crystal. Yeah, it's Crystal Ball. Crystal Ball. Not Crystal <laughs> you Ball. Don't put the, crystal you don't ball. put the emphasis on the ball. <laughs> hey, man, it's football. You put the emphasis on the ball. You always put the emphasis <laughs> on the balls. At least that's what she said. Anyway, I don't know. Go. <laughs> Dang, here, man. Here's what here's what he's facing week two at Oklahoma. I mean, it's right off the bat. So we're going to we're going to find out everything we need to we need to know need to know. Gosh, can't even talk either this morning about UCLA early on in the season as they go to Oklahoma, and then uh, October sixth is when they hit the uh, Pac-10 uh, Pac-12 schedule. So uh, that's their first game in the Pac-12 is against Washington. So we're going to find out early so, about UCLA. So I have another co- uh, question for the. For the uh, host slash executive producer, uh, Rick is very clever in helping us come up with the names of our show. Fortnite, but Fortnite. What you what you did not tell me, which is fine because I mean it's not like we're copying, but I thought it was funny. So I just to give a background, I love Clay Travis, but like he's on like if I drive to work. I don't listen to him on the radio. I don't listen to his radio show, so I purposely don't listen to his radio show. Uh, and I used to listen to Mike and Mike, but uh, it's not Mike and Mike anymore, and it doesn't, and it sucks. So there's other other sports uh, talk that I listen to in the morning. That said, I listen to his podcast every every night religiously. It's like one of the things I do in the evening. It's when I get home, decompress, turn on the podcast of Clay Travis. I look at the the, the title of Clay Travis's show yesterday, and it was uh, Fortnite something too. But hold on. I'll tell was you it what really? it was. <laughs> yeah, I, I know it wasn't intentional. I'm just saying I thought it was funny. Um, I don't think he's going to sue us or anything like that. But Oh, you know. no. Well, here's the thing. <laughs> the listeners he out there. He's a lawyer, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
you, you've heard of Fortnite because of the video game. You might even have heard the word before, just in some other situation, but you've mainly heard it anymore for this past year because of the video game Fortnite. Well, Fortnite means two weeks. That's the meaning of Fortnite. It's it, it, it's a time frame. You know, Fortnite is two weeks. So we titled the show today Fortnite because we're two weeks away from college football season starting. So I thought that was clever because it's two weeks from college football, and it's a play on words because of the video game. And the reason why the video game is called Fortnite, because when it first came out on computer, it was a two-week survival game. And now it's just a run-around Shoot 'em up game. I've actually never played it. Watch my kids play it, but yeah, that's there that's kind of what Clay. That's what kind of what Clay was saying. The reason why he titled it that was because uh, out of all the screens that he has in his house, he has to fight with the biggest screens with his kids, his boys, because they want to use the biggest screens in the house to play Fortnite. He can't watch football. So anyway, Fortnite. I've never. Played it's real either. popular. I have to admit, I, you're. You're you're more the video gamer guy than I am. In fact, you're well, way more I play the Call video of Duty gamer and guy I, than I, I. I just, yeah, I just stick with Call of Duty and stuff. You know, I, I watch the kids run around on Fortnite. They're just running around. They're collecting materials. They're building stuff, and they're, they're, they run around for an hour. They're all with their friends, and that's all cool. And then, but it, it's a shooter game at the same time. And the first time there's like a firefight, uh, it seems like they're killed immediately, and then they're done. So they're all just running around and weapons gatherings and material gathering and building and everything just to get into a three-second firefight and die immediately. So I don't I don't really understand the game myself. Maybe you can call in 917-889-8516, let us know more about Fortnite. But I know the game, watch my kids play it, but I've never played it. Well, here's the thing, and I'm going to date myself here. Uh, that's what I do half the time anyway as a single guy, but that's neither here nor there. But uh, <laughs> I'm going to date myself here. I, re- I remember growing up playing games like Atari and Nintendo. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, I'm going to digress here for just a second. I think it's pretty cool. Our new office, uh, we've got, like, our brand-new office that we just moved into. is got the conference rooms are, are named after 80s video games like Donkey Kong and Mario Brothers and Scrabble and Risk and uh, all those different types of, of uh, things. But in the break room, we've got this huge, huge t- television. I mean, it's big. I can't tell you how big it is, but it's ma- mammoth. And they have a, a gaming system set up there, but it's the old kind of gaming systems. There's, the, there's a Wii, there's a Nintendo, and there's an old Atari, there's a, 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 the Atari. Now, those are the kind of games that I remember playing as kids. And I know we're in a different society, but I think – that there's something to be said for those kind of games because if we wanted to if we wanted to talk to our buddies about a game, we'd be outside riding our bikes, playing basketball, whatever, talking about the game. I think games these days have kind of enabled uh, kids to not get out and explore the world. And you know, like there's a there's a guy there's a guy at the office. Well, talk about Fortnite, and he goes, "Yeah." He goes, "He goes." I thought you were going over to your friends to play Fortnite. No, we're playing Fortnite right now, virtually talking to each other and never have to see each other. I think that, that, that and I'm not trying to get it on a soapbox. I just that's kind of why I don't play the games because I kind of feel like video games have changed and evolved into. I don't know. I don't know what what well, I was saying, why I was saying that, Rick. But anyway. <laughs> Thank God it before we get these last two college football teams. We we got way off topic here, but 
Here's what I will say. Bring it in, buddy. Bring it in. (laughs) Video games nowadays, especially over the past eight to ten years, and just the way it's all been networked, now friends can just hang out together like all night long without even actually having to leave their house. And I think that's the whole like uh, thing about it is you see your friends at school all day. You you planned on playing Fortnite or whatever after your homework and after dinner or whatever. You got three or four hours to hang out with your friends. Uh, without leaving your house, you know, I always had to come home when the streetlights came on. But now the streetlights yeah. come on, everybody, everybody can just log on to the uh, PlayStation, and everybody can hang out for the next couple of hours to play Fortnite together. And I think that's the whole thing about it. I think that's that's why kids are into that instead of out riding their bikes or watching sports like we had to. And uh, that's how gaming has has changed the world. All right. And there you have it. And there you have it. Yeah. All right, we've got, we got a couple more yeah. teams, and I know Ed's going to be calling in here in a few minutes so we get in the NFL talk. But go right ahead, sir. Paul, so we talked about Willie Taggart a little bit earlier, but now we're just going to break down good fit or not. Willie Taggart leaves Oregon after only one year, takes over for Jimbo Fisher at Florida State. He's got a quarterback controversy. Uh, DeAndre Francois went out last year with a nasty leg injury in the first game of the season against Alabama. Uh He's in the quarterback competition. I do believe that's going to be his starter. But do you think, Tom, that Willie Taggart will get Florida State turned around and heading in the right direction and be able to compete with Clemson? Maybe not this year, but I would say in year two. Well, and and that's the million-dollar question because I think everybody was so shocked, if you will, if we want to use that word, that Jimbo Fisher left. And so they kind of made a a hire because they had to. So we don't really – we don't really know the guts of Haggard. We don't really know. We'll know sooner than later, but I, I don't know. I mean, I, the that's the million dollar question. But I, I would say, he's not going to make an, a big impact this year. I, I would be more curious to see probably three years down the road, where his where his own recruiting classes are come in, uh, and he's not dealing with Jimbo Fisher's. Uh, and I don't I don't know if any of, if his kids followed him out to UCLA or not. But uh, we'll see how he does with his own his own group of, of recruits. Well, they they start the year off with Virginia Tech, so they're going to be tested early. And then the last team I want to talk about, which I think I've saved it for last, I think it's the best fit. Uh, Scott Frost leaves UCF, the national champions, and heads to uh, Nebraska, his alma mater, where he quarterback a, a, a national championship winning team. Uh, I think it's the best fit. It's where Scott Frost belongs, and now Nebraska is going to be a serious competitor here, and he's they're going to have early success too, I I, I believe. So they're going to be a a serious contender for the Big Ten. So they just put the whole I think Scott Frost put the Big Ten on notice. Well, you know the Big Ten's on notice for a lot of other reasons uh, too. So uh, which we can talk about on on breaking rank, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm a I'm a big fan of the Big Ten. Obviously, I'm an IU guy, but I'm a big fan of the Big Ten. I live in Big Ten country. Big Ten is, and Nebraska has been separated from its uh, days of glory for a long time. I'm curious to see. Of course, I'm not talking about Maryland more than I'm than I'm talking about uh, Ohio State, and uh, but I'm curious to see how this Urban Meyer thing affects the Big Ten. If he, in yeah. fact, which I, I think I think we all kind of agree that he's not going to lose his job. I think it's gotten to that point that it was just not going to happen. They released, they released, the, they didn't, they just, 
said that the, that the um, report was finished, uh, but Ohio State's not given any type of um, word on the on the fate of Urban Meyer and won't this week. It probably won't happen for at least a week. They're having a media practice today. Uh, so I think he gets suspended, but I, I think the games he gets suspended for are games that really doesn't matter and it doesn't impact the Big Ten, and he'll be back for games that matter. And then, yeah, but if he doesn't, if Ohio State decides to make a bold move, which would be a bold move, an appropriate move, be a very bold move, which I don't see them doing. But if they do, in fact, fire Urban Meyer, we'll see how that plays out and how that uh, plays out in the Big Ten. I think uh, Ohio State and Maryland, both perfect uh, teams, perfect topic to talk about when we have Mo come on at 930 today. So uh, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll table that discussion, and uh, we'll get it when Mo comes back on calls in the show at 930, half hour from now. Absolutely. Well, we've got to take a break because of the great white chief, Ed Kratz, is standing by in the balance screen room. We're going to get into this uh, uh, NFL preseason talk and talk with him a little bit about uh, his uh, uh, Philadelphia Eagles and why jolly old St. Nick or Nick Foles may not be so jolly anymore. My name is Tom Marquis, Rick Riggin. We'll be right back right here on the Balance Radio Network. Tonight. National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. It's double trouble, double the fun. At African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio, see the largest antelope on Earth, the giant eland, and the ugliest creature on Earth, the African warthog. There's so much to see and do, including the Midwest's only drive through safari. Feed the animals. See live educational shows. Feel the excitement. Have your picture taken with a python or cockatoo. Feel the adventure. Shop the Simba Lodge gift shop with items available from around the globe. Visit the snack bar or picnic facilities. Enjoy a pony or camel ride. Or cheer your favorite porker on to victory in the famous pork chop down. Bring your family to see the rare and exotic animals at African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio. Just take Route 2 to the Route 53 North exit and follow the sign. Only 17 miles west of Cedar Point via Route 6. Open every day, rain or shine. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like, 
Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything. All right, and welcome back to The Balance. My name is Tom Marcus, along with executive producer Rick Riggin. And joining us also, who uh, is trying to view our show with us and play Fortnite at the same time, get caught up on his Fortnite, the great white chief, Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles from USA Today. How are you doing, sir? Uh, hey, great, great, guys. <laughs> I'm not sure what I, Fortnite I, is, but... Uh... <laughs> oh, man, you're such Boy, an old you've man. you never heard of Fortnite? You, never, you don't know all the craze oh. right now for Fortnite? <laughs> No, it's a video no, game. I, I don't. Oh. It's a video game that I, I personally have never played, but it is like the most addictive video game. I, I guess people are playing these things for hours and hours at a time. It's real popular among the youth, the, the youth these days. You know, heaven forbid they go outside and enjoy the outdoors with their bicycle, come home when the street lights come on. Heaven forbid. I was just going to say, that's the thing. When the streetlights come on, they just jump on Fortnite and hang out with their friends that way these days. So, <laughs> Right, right. I, I think at some point ESPN ESPN's going to start showing uh, video gamers, aren't they? I mean, aren't they going to start appealing to this yeah, younger generation? Yeah, they've already done it. They've had the Street Fighter yeah. tournament. They've shown Madden. So, yeah, definitely. I think they've even watched it. They had an Overwatch tournament, another popular video game. I think Fortnite's just right around the corner. Okay. Well, that just wow. uh, that just goes to show the demise of uh, ESPN. Uh, they're they're trying to hang on. They're trying to like, oh, we're losing it now. Uh, ESPN, called esports. Yeah. There you go. Well, let's get into this uh, NFL talk. NFL uh, preseason rolls. Let's get ready for the twenty. 20- 18 cent. Uh, we'll start in your backyard there, uh, Ed. Uh, obviously, uh, the uh, uh, New England Patriots uh, met your Philadelphia Eagles again. Uh, jolly old St. Nick walked away not so jolly. Uh, hopefully, this isn't a serious thing. I know Carson Wentz, your quarterback, but still at the same time, uh, it's amazing how, how like one, uh, one day he's like God in Philadelphia, and now he's, he's hurt, and people are asking, uh-oh, uh-oh, we, do, we, do we have a problem here? I don't think so. He didn't seem to be too alarmed about it in what I heard on, on the different press conferences. But talk with us a little bit about the Philadelphia Eagles, Nick Foles, and your meeting of the dreaded New England Patriots. Uh, yeah, well, Foles said afterward that, you know, his shoulder felt fine. Uh, they're calling it a shoulder strain. Um, and that's really the extent of what we know now. 
you know, I know there are reports out there that it's not serious, and that seemed to be the case when he talked to some reporters after the game Thursday night. But, uh, you know, you really don't know until, you, you you know, the injury quiets down and you, you see how he reacts to it. And I will say, you know, Nick Foles isn't the best at kind of playing through pain, which, you know, I know a lot of you know players shouldn't do that. But, you know, he's been side last year. It was an elbow issue that cost him the preseason. He's already uh, missed the preseason opener this year with – uh, muscle spasms in his neck and shoulder area. So I don't expect Nick Foles to really kind of push this injury. I don't expect the Eagles to really push him to play against the Cleveland Browns Thursday night. So, uh, you know, what we could be looking at here is a Nate Sudfeld, uh, Matt Ryan matchup to kick off the season on September 6th. Uh, you know, Nate Sudfeld's the third string quarterback and you know, Foles' shoulder strain doesn't heal as quickly as the team would like, and if Carson Wentz can't get cleared for contact, then that's what we're going to be looking at. It's a third stringer, Nate Sudfeld, kicking off the season on Thursday Night Football, September 6th. So is Carson Wentz ready to go for the 2018 season? He talked last week or leading up to the game against New England that uh, it's going to be close as far as him being ready to play in that opener. He is hoping to take the next step and progress into 11-on-11 team drills this week. Uh, It was something that he did uh, at the start of training camp. I think for two practices they ran him out there in 11-on-11, and then they backed off and stopped doing that. Just had him participate in 7-on-7 stuff and, uh, you know, installation sessions and uh, individual stuff, but no team sessions for him. So he's hoping to progress into that team part of things, the 11-on-11. And then the final hurdle is going to be getting cleared for contact. So, you know, we're staring at two preseason games. He won't play uh, in either one. Uh, And then you're looking at an opener where, you know, it's just not Carson Wentz who hasn't played. It's Alshon Jeffrey who's coming off a torn rotator cuff. He played most of the year last year with a torn rotator cuff uh, and had a terrific year, but he hasn't practiced. Brandon Graham had ankle surgery. You know, he made the great play against Tom Brady in the Super Bowl, the strip sack fumble. He hasn't played. He hasn't been cleared yet. Uh, so the Eagles have some guys, some very key parts of this offense on the shelf. Even Nelson Aguilar hasn't played in the preseason. He's got what, uh, you know, in a hockey coach term, he's got the lower body injury. Um, I think it's a hamstring, but he hasn't played. And, you know, he had nine catches in the Super Bowl. So, you know, the Eagles, uh, you know, they're hoping to have all these guys ready by week one. But, you know, at what point do you need to work the rust off? At what point does chemistry become an issue not having been on the field uh, since February for a lot of these guys? And uh, can you just hit the ground running in week one? You know, that remains to be seen. I think it's going to be a tough opener for the birds. And uh, the schedule softens a little bit the following two weeks down in Tampa without Jameis Winston. And then the Colts come here. But, uh, you know, that opener is going to be a real challenge, especially if these guys who haven't played are still not playing, or even if they are playing, at what point does the chemistry become an issue? Rick, go right ahead. What do you got for Ed Kratz? All right, so this question I had for Mo last week, and uh, it's the number of preseason football games. You probably get it a lot, too, and I think the perfect number is two, and Mo thought it was three. Uh, I was going to ask you what you think about the NFL preseason games because now you being a writer for the Eagles and Wentz is out and now uh, Foles is out. Now it's Sudfeld time, and who's to say on Thursday night he's not going to take a funny hit or get rolled up on and he could get injured. So what is your thoughts on the uh, – the number of preseason games, because in college football, they don't have any, and it's still a great product. They bring it on the field in week one. So what are your thoughts on NFL preseason? 
Yeah, well, I mean, the difference with college is obviously you have bigger rosters. You know, the NFL can only uh, keep 53 guys on the active roster, and then only 46 can dress on game day. So you have a limited uh, number of players to deal with. You know, college, you can roll guys in and out of there. You have 90 players or so, whatever you have. But uh, that's a big difference. Um, but, yeah, I, I think I think two is the right number. Um, hey, look at these preseason. They're really ridiculous. I mean, Drew Brees I don't think played the other night. You know, A.J. McCarron broke his collarbone. You know, uh, Darius Geis tore his knee in Washington. I mean, it's just there's more bad things that can happen than good, I think, in the preseason. And if they go down to two, and I don't believe there's any talk along those lines. There's been talk, but nothing's ever happened. Uh, they need to find a way to make up the money elsewhere. You know, these these preseason games, they charge just as much for, you know, parking, for tickets, for concessions. All that stuff brings in money. So if you cut it back to two, where's where's that, you know, those other two games of income going to come from? So uh, I think two is the perfect number. Uh, I think you do need a little bit of preseason just kind of to work out the kinks, you know, get back to hitting uh, with, that, you know, and things like that. And for, you know, guys that, or bubble guys to try to shine out and make a roster, whether it's with the current team they're playing for or putting stuff on tape for other teams to look at. So it would benefit them, you know, the bottom of the roster type guys, guys that are on the bubble for making a team to have some snaps. So I think two, and I can see most point three, maybe for those guys, for those bottom, bottom of the roster guys to kind of have that extra game to, to play, uh, to put stuff on tape or to show that, yeah, we, you know, they belong in the league. So, you know, two would be what I would prefer, but I can see the argument for three. But four, absolutely way too many. So, yeah, I totally agree with you, Ed. This is, a, I think, what a lot of people lose, especially fans, because fans are very impatient and like, hey, we're ready. We're ready to see Andrew Luck. We're ready to see Carson Wentz. We're ready to see Tom Brady or Drew Brees or whoever your quarterback can be. But we got to step back as fans and realize preseason is a, uh, a business process. It's a process that teams go through their interview process. So when a company, uh, so, so when a company hires people, they go through the interview process and we've all been on job interviews. We've all been a part of that process. We all want to be able to, to do what we got to do to sell ourselves. And we want to have the most opportunities to do that. And so to do that process, it takes some time. And, 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 you know, the combine is one part of that process for rookies, but you know, veterans and, and not even veterans, but just people who, as you said, bottom of the roster. So I, I'm, I'm okay with keeping it at three, but I agree with you, Mo, uh, at four is a little too much. Mo, let's kind of walk around the NFL. Uh, we'll start over there in the Cleveland Browns, mistake on the leg. They got themselves a quarterback or not, Baker Mayfield or uh, Tyrod Taylor. Uh, if you were to believe the, the uh, lip service of the Cleveland Browns, Taylor is their QB. If you're to believe me and my hot take, it's Baker Mayfield, QB of the Cleveland Browns. Hello? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. well um, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, I thought uh, Mo's, not, Mo's not with us, is he? I thought, I thought you were Did talking. I say oh, Mo? Okay. I am so sorry. And oh, no, that's okay. That question was yeah, for you. Mo has not joined <laughs> us yet. My fault. My fault. Oh, okay. I'm just rambling on. I didn't even realize that came out of my mouth. So I'm sorry. Ed, that question is for you. Go ahead, buddy. Uh, okay. Yeah, no. That, well, that's fine. Uh, yeah, well, I don't think either quarterback really uh, played that well the other night. Um, I think they, you know, Cleveland had a pretty good running game. Uh, you know, I think they had 
like 70-plus yards in the first quarter. But I don't think Taylor, uh, Taylor, Tyra Taylor and Baker Mayfield play very well. Uh, you know, Mayfield, I, you know, I'm just not sure. I mean, I know he was the first pick overall, and, you know, you really have to throw him out there sooner rather than later. But, I'm, you know, I'm really not sold on him. And Tyrod Taylor, we know what he is. He is what he is. You know, he can make plays with his feet. Uh, his arm is a little questionable. His decision-making is certainly questionable. So, I, you know, I don't think they really have a, a true number one at this point starting a season. Now, maybe Mayfield, you know, will become that guy as the season goes along. And, you know, the Browns, a lot of people are picking them to, you know, perhaps win eight games or whatever. But, I, you know, I, until that quarterback situation settles in, uh, I think it's going to be a difficult road for him still. Did you hear about that bar this week that announced that when the Cleveland Browns win a game, they're going to give away free beer? So, Whoa. Uh, you know. Right over to yeah, they uh, actually, by the lake. They actually yeah. got that big, huge vending machine full of beer, and it's got, it's, it's got a chain and, and locks all around it, so you can't get into it yet. They have to wait until Cleveland actually wins their first game. So that's, that's one of the things I just don't believe it. Cleveland is not going to be an eight-win football team, especially if you got to, you know, promote free beer when they actually win a game. You're definitely not going to be an eight-win football team. No, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, moving on around the league here, I was so impressed. Uh, talking about watching preseason and getting, getting, uh, watching impressive players. What about Patrick Mahomes out there in Kansas City? Kansas City has themselves a QB, brother. Yeah, I got I got it now. Ten thirty, yet it's not quite ten thirty yet uh, for Mo. But uh, yeah, I mean he had he showed off a big arm. He, he threw that long touchdown pass to I think it was um, Hill Tyreek Hill. Uh, you know, about seventy yards in the air. I think the ball traveled, and you know, mm-hmm. it was his first TD throw of the preseason. But you know, he also again he showed why he's, you know, he's not a rookie, but he's a second-year kid that didn't get any snaps last year, and I don't think he did anyway. But, he, you know, he showed his greenness, I think. We, you know, he's, he threw in the double coverage a couple times. I think he threw an interception uh, during the game. And, you know, he's another kid. Yeah, he, he's a quarterback for sure. He's got a live arm. But, you know, again, it comes down with these young guys, their decision-making, and are they able to kind of look, look off a of play and go to their third receiver if they have time and not panic and keep their feet quiet in the pocket and, you know, we'll see if Mahomes can do that. There's no question his arm is solid. And the Chiefs need him to be their quarterback because they don't have anybody else. Rick, go ahead. You're up, sir. Yeah, we're, we're talking about the young the young quarterbacks here and Baker Mayfield and Patrick Mahomes and their decision-making and making throwing interceptions and making these rookie mistakes. Uh, Ed, I, I would say that this is kind of what I, I would want to see them do. I, I don't want to see, like, these rookie quarterbacks coming out and – wowing the crowd and really looking great in the preseason because that's just going to lead to more false hope when they actually get into the regular season and go against these full-time, you know, <laughs> first-string starters for an entire game. And then right. they play the exact opposite way they played in the preseason because of that. I, I think like guys like Lamar Jackson, we're seeing uh, they're not really wowing the crowd, I guess you could say. Uh, I To me, that's what they should be doing. And, and, I, and I'm cool with it. And, if they want to start Baker Mayfield over Tyrod Taylor in Cleveland, I think I'm fine with that too. But that's just kind of like the Cleveland Browns like move. That's that's what they do every year. I think they should start Tyrod actually, uh, just because of the experience and everything, and let Baker kind of just 
you know, go through some growing pains, I guess. But I, I think these young guys, uh, the young quarterbacks, are. I think that's they're doing exactly what they should be doing. Yeah, and, and this is the time of year to make those mistakes. It's the preseason. But, you know, again, it comes back to how valuable is preseason. I mean, I know it gets them used to the speed of the game and, you know, the, the, the so-called tighter windows to throw in if you're a quarterback. But, you know, you, you mentioned that, you know, they're going against, you know, backup guys a lot of, in a lot of cases. And you're going against defenses that aren't scheming uh, for you. You know, they're, they're, they're playing very vanilla, very basic. And once they start throwing some exotic looks at these kids, you know, are they able to diagnose it? I mean, I think that's one thing that kind of set Carson Wentz apart. Um, you know, he stepped right in, you know, week one and was the starter. And, you know, the team only won seven games under him, but they were close in a lot of their games. I think they lost, I think, five or six games by seven points or less that season. So, uh, you know, they were right there under Carson Wentz. But I think what sets him apart is just the way he is able to, his film study, his preparation during the week. And a lot of these kids, sometimes they don't get that, you know, that film study stuff. And you need a good veteran to kind of point that out if you have a kid that, you know, maybe not might not be into it. Like Johnny, that was Johnny Manziel's problem. He thought he could just go out there and win on talent. Uh, but you have to put your time in during the week. And if you have a good veteran, if you have a veteran with you, and I know that's why the Eagles like Chase Daniel, and he was here as a veteran guy that kind of worked with Wentz. But Wentz didn't need any help. He was in that building every morning at 5 a.m. looking at film of the opponent. And that's kind of what it takes. And when you get out there on that field and they show you something, you'll have want to have seen that before uh, through your film study. So, you know, that's the key to a lot of these guys. Yeah, they have physical tools and they have a lot of ability, but – what sets them apart is that decision-making and how you beat that is by studying in the film room. And some guys just don't get it or they don't put it in, put the time in, or they don't do it seriously enough. We're talking with Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles USA Today. Uh, Rick Riggin, also executive producer of The Balance. You guys, you know, we're getting, we're getting geared up for fantasy football. And, Rick, I know you're in our league, Ed. You're not playing this year. But I, I've been watching a lot of these because uh, uh, I have no lives. So I've been watching a lot of these preseason games. Uh, and there was <laughs> there were some games last night that were some really good games. So I, I took some notes because I think I found the running back that I want to go after. I don't know if you saw Christian McCaffrey yesterday running back for the uh, for the Panthers. He touched the ball nine times, gained 120 20 yards. That's insane. He ripped off he ripped off a uh, a 71 year old uh, 71 year old 70, <laughs> 71 yard <laughs> touchdown run. That bastard ripping off 71 year old. Yeah, he got that. Uh, you know, just leaving the Miami Dolphins uh, defenders in the dust, and uh, then he added another 21 yards uh, and four other carries <clears throat> while watching four of the five targets for 28 yards. So that was my notes and takeaway on that. But if I'm the Panthers, Ed, I'm 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 totally wrapping him up in bubble wrap and putting him away. Uh, no need to get him acclimated to the speed of the game. The defender's got to get acclimated to the speed of him. I I, I like uh, Christian McCaffrey uh, with the with the Panthers. Yeah, I mean I I don't know if I'd you know spend the top three pick on him. Um, you know I just think that he you know he maybe he got a little bigger. I know last year as a rookie he, I, you know, I think he only averaged maybe three and a half yards a carry, and uh, he did catch a lot of passes. I think he caught 80 passes last year, and that seems to be the way you want to employ him as kind of as that 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 Swiss Army knife, you know, running him a little bit, throwing him the ball a little bit. But uh, he looks a little bigger, a little bit stronger, maybe. You know, he got in the weight room, he got into an NFL uh, weight room for the first time for a full year. Uh, and, and maybe that's paying off because last year he just seemed like he just didn't have that push when he went into the line to kind of gain that extra 
you know, that those extra yards after contact. So, yeah, I mean, he looked good last night, but, you know, how good are the Dolphins? I mean, to me, the Dolphins aren't that good. They need a linebacker. They need defensive line help. Uh, and, and those were the issues in letting McCaffrey. I mean, you know, 71-yard run in the preseason. I don't think Adam Gates is going to be real happy about that. But, uh, you know, credit to McCaffrey and the Panthers' offensive line. Uh, if you can get them after the third round, Tom, I'd do it. <laughs> well, I tell you what, uh, if, he's, if he's as good as he was last night, the rest of the season, I'm going to want to get him on my first pick. I mean, oh. craziness. But, but yeah, I, that's that's the other beauty of of uh, 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 preseason. Like you said, nobody's really showing their 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 magic, if you will. So it was a preseason right. game. Speaking of preseason games, last night uh, we saw uh, Davis Webb, the quarterback for the Giants, in action. Very good quarterback. Is he the heir apparent to Eli Manning? Well, the Giants are, are, are hoping so. They didn't. Uh, they didn't draft a quarterback, or they drafted Kyle Loletta, uh, the kid from Richmond, uh, later in the draft this year. Uh, you know, who's a project? There's no doubt. But uh, actually, I thought the Eagles might take a spin on him, but the Giants beat him to it. Uh, so the, the Giants better hope that he is, because they have nobody else behind behind Eli and. Uh, you know, I thought Davis was going to get some snaps last year after uh, they benched Eli, but they went to Geno Smith. So, uh, you know, again, Davis Webb did well. He had a shaky preseason opener, but last night he, you know, he threw for 140 yards and uh, had a pretty good completion percentage. But again, you know, what was Detroit showing? I don't know. Maybe Rick watched the game, but you know, were, were the I don't think the Lions had much of a pass rush uh, against him. So, uh, you know, again, Webb has been around the block a few times. He's been on that roster for a couple of years now, so he should kind of know, uh, you know, what he's looking at when he comes to the line of scrimmage. But can he get it done physically? I, you know, that's a question mark with him. He looked good in the preseason against the Lions team that had no pass rush. So take that for what it's worth. And we'll yeah, use that I as a cue to go. I was going to say, we'll yeah, use that as a cue to go to Rick. <laughs> Rick, I, go ahead and talk about your Lions. I was just going to – I was just trying to tee up, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to transition right when like Mo like ended like you know his sentence. I was going to just transition right on in there. But hey, it's okay if you want to introduce me. That's fine. <laughs> All I was going to say was, uh, did you call me Mo? Did you call me Mo Rick? Here we had the Kansas game. I know that game was ugly. No, I don't really read too much in the preseason games because I have no idea. Uh, what defensive schemes or, or, or what personnel they're rolling out there, who they're trying to see who can do what, and what they're trying to work on. Maybe they were working not really on a pass rush. I have no idea. I don't I don't know what Matt Patricia is uh, working off that defense because, uh, you know, a lot of these guys are going to be bagging groceries and selling used cars a month from now. So it's, that's another thing, too. Yeah, all, all I read into the preseason is who comes out healthy. Uh, I you know, the year the Lions were 0-16, they were 4-0 in the preseason, preseason champions. So I, I read absolutely nothing in the preseason. You know, bag of groceries turned out pretty good for one uh, quarterback who's going to be a Hall of Famer, just saying, uh, by the last name of Palmer, you know. So it wasn't, did he Warner. bag groceries? Uh, Warner, Kurt Warner, that's yeah, who it was. I'm sorry. Warner. I, my fault, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No, no, no. So let's get let's get into the Colts uh, talk. Obviously, uh, we liked what we saw last week. We really liked what we saw last week. Uh, 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 you know, but against Seattle, to get a win at Seattle, even if it was a preseason, 
I think Colt fans were so were more excited about the first hit to Andrew Luck getting up and and uh, giving a high five to, to Jack Doyle. You would have thought they scored a touchdown. I think all Colts fans wanted to see was that first hit. The, the Ravens are in town for a joint practice, and then we got Monday Night Football here in town uh, on Monday. So let's break this down, guys. Uh, Ed, uh, what are your thoughts? Uh, how exciting was it to see? As weird as it sounds, but how exciting was it to see as the Colts fan to see Andrew Luck get knocked down and for him to get back up and to get a win in Seattle, even if it's the preseason? Well, I, you know, I can relate to getting back up for Andrew Luck, and that's going to be a season-long thing. If Andrew Luck plays, you know, all 16 games, you know, I would say just about every time he takes a hit, you're going to hold your breath and hope that he gets up. And I can relate to that because I think that's going to be the case here in Philadelphia when Carson Wentz finally gets back behind center is, you know, you're going to hold your breath every time he scrambles or, go, you know, breaks loose and, and starts turning up field. So I know Andrew Luck, that's not a big part of his game is, is the running part of that. But still, when, you know, when a quarterback's missed as much time as Luck has and he gets hit, you're going to hold your breath and that's not going to go away anytime soon if you're a fan. Uh, it was encouraging that, yeah, he, he took that hit, he got up, and he was high-fiving, and he was excited about that. But, you know, there's going to be some harder hits to come, and, you know, you hope Luck can get through it because, let's face it, he's the key to their season. Rick? Yeah, I was going to say, I, I know you's a, you Colts fans are a big fan of seeing Andrew Luck take that hit. You know, like it's like a well, you take a sack, and then he got – hit on a five-yard scramble play. Uh, for me, if I was a Colts fan, that would be like the last thing I wanted to see is for my quarterback get injured uh, in a preseason game like that when everything that uh, the Colts have hinges on Andrew Luck. Uh, I just would not want to see him take even scramble for a yard. Just stay in the pocket, get the, rid of the ball, throw five, ten-yard passes, and get into the regular season. Uh, I, I would not want to see him take hits like that. Well, I I think you're right, but I think at the same time we wanted to see see that happen and just so it, 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 I, I I cautiously say this I, I think everything is is back to normal. I know our poll last week was uh, does uh, uh, make it through the entire season and you and Mo Rick you and Mo both uh, gave a thumbs down for that. I still have a thumbs up until I'm proven different. Uh, Andrew Luck is our quarterback for the entire season, and here's here's the thing. I, I think if we if our first game against the Bengals, if we win the first game against the Bengals, when I say we, I mean the Colts, uh, that's a must win, not only for a lot of reasons, but you got to realize that the Colts have a few games on the road, and let's face it, the AFC South, Ed, has uh, gotten a lot better during the uh, luck hibernation days, if you will. Go ahead. Ed. Yeah, you're right about that. You're, you're right, and you know, the Colts aren't expected to, you know, be anything more than, I guess, last place just because that division is so strong. But, uh, you know, he's going to need help along the way. You know, you're going to need, you know, you're going to need a running game. And I and I thought they ran the ball pretty well in, uh, you know, in Seattle, uh, you know, but you're going to need that running game. You're going to need that, – that's the quarterback's best friend is you're going to have to open holes. And, you know, the Colts did a good job with their draft by taking a couple hey, linemen hey, that can hey, help do that. Hey, Ed. Hey, Ed, I hate to interrupt yeah. you, and you know they call this a squirrel moment, but I've never in my life had a real squirrel moment. So I'm looking out the window here, across the backyard here, on my shed. There are two squirrels mating. Breaking news. Go right ahead, wow. uh, Rick. So that was my, that's a squirrel moment. If there was ever a squirrel moment, we just had it live on, on the air on the balance. A real squirrel <laughs> yeah. moment. 
They are going at it too. Absolutely. Go ahead, Ed. Uh, we, wow. We, we, we go back to regular, resume regular programming. Go ahead. <laughs> that was great. Go ahead, Ed. I'm sorry. Yeah, I couldn't resist. We're only there. A little... Yeah. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, My fault. Go ahead. Yeah, no problem. Uh, I wish there was some video clip of that, but. Uh... <laughs> well, squirrel porn. Squirrel porn. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I forgot. I forgot I, what I was I, saying. I, 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 my, I my got us off rails. Shifted here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, <laughs> we were talking about the AFC South and, and the Colts. Go right ahead, sir. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, well, the, the running game. Yeah. The, the whole. <laughs> uh, let's see. Yeah. So the running game's important. Period. <laughs> you know, they, gotta, they have to. Uh, they they have to have a running game to help block. Uh, that would help. Hey Tom, all right guys, uh, we'll, we'll get this shit back talk, on, on on. We on, talk about the running game real quick, just, just real quick. Uh, we talk about ahead, the running sure. game. Saw Marlon Mack come up a little gimpy in that game against Seattle. Uh, what's his health? Do you know his condition is is just a short term thing? Miss may miss a game in the preseason. Uh, I, I don't know the extent of his injury. Well, Marlon Mack, in the, according to the injury report this past week, said that. Uh, questionable. So whatever that means, Ed, we can we can read into that a lot. But Marlon Mack is certainly a, a key component in what the Colts are trying to do. Yeah, and again, do you really need to get him out there for the final three games? Um, you know, you want to take your time with him. There's no rush to get him back. If they're counting on him to be a vital part of the uh, you know the team this season, then just just let him get better and run him out there week one in Cincinnati. You know, I watched that Kansas City game uh, yesterday, uh, Ed and, and Rick, and you know, certainly talking about the passing, uh, switching over to the passing game. Tyreek Hill, the wide receiver for the Kansas City Chiefs, to me was very, very impressive last night uh, with Kansas City. Again, we know it's preseason, so we, we, we're, we're reading into the hype. But if I'm reading into the hype, Tyreek Hill is a, a fantastic job for the Kansas City Chiefs. It's going to be a vital part of the passing game. Did you see yeah. the flag out thrown on him at that 70-yard touchdown pass? He got the unnecessary twerking flag. No, I didn't see that. <laughs> go, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> we're just, we're just, we're just totally off the rails now, aren't we? Uh, go. <laughs> well, I was going to say, Tom, I think I would take Tyree Kill over Christian McCaffrey if I'm you in your in your uh, in your draft. I think he's uh, a better play. And Christian McCaffrey, Tyree kills. He had a great year last year as a rookie, and you know, he's going to have another great year this year. Rick, I, I think you're up, sir. Uh, get get us back in line, Mr. Executive Producer. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't have anything at this point. Yeah, you know, I thought we was uh, Mo was calling in. I guess he's obviously running a little bit behind. Uh, so we just talked about NFL preseason and everything, and I think we did our fantasy football. Was it last week? Two weeks ago, I can't remember now. It's, this conversation yeah, gone downhill. So. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, it's not every day. I don't think I ever in my life have I seen you know squirrels. You you don't know where they come from. They just pop up in your yard. They pop up in your trees. But there's got to be a mating process. So clearly there is. They have separated well, it's, it's an interesting... the ways now. It looks like it was kind of a one night stand. <laughs> 
Uh, it's, it's an interesting use of uh, pop-up there, you know, the phrase yeah. pop-up. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey, uh, hey, we, hey. We Ed, can change the if you want. We can, we can do that. What's that? What you say, change, Rick? Yeah, we can change the, the subject and maybe get a little more college football talk here with Ed if he wants to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, breaking break coming back on Wednesday. I promise no squirrel, squirrel porn on, on Wednesday uh, for, for breaking break. Uh, yeah, well, we were talking about some of the college uh, football coaches that, uh, and college uh, football changes. Uh, so go ahead, uh, Rick. You, you have the, the ship because I have sunk, sunk it for today. Go ahead. Well, yeah, well, He's just, uh, go ahead. Yeah. Well, really, the, the subject matter, yeah, I was wanting to bring up is kind of a downer, yeah, as opposed to the squirrel sex, which is always fun to talk about. <laughs> but the, uh, <laughs> but we, yeah, the next subject here is the uh, kind of the not really a downer, but yeah, you know, the University of Maryland and the death of Jordan McNair, and I was wanting to get Ed's thoughts on this because this this incident happened on June 13th, and we didn't really hear anything about it about a week ago when it finally became public. And so I, I don't know the behind the the scenes details about why it took so long to come out. But is it was it a, a failure of the coaching staff or the University of Maryland, or was it like a failure of the media? You know, from over you know what we talked two months ago now uh, when this happened. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I don't know what the answer is there. I just know that you know the kid was obviously in distress, right? I mean, all reports are that where he was, uh, you know, they could see that he was breaking down during these uh, wind sprints that the conditioning coach uh, was making them run, and nobody did anything about it. I think one of them, I think the conditioning coach, said to drag his butt across the field then. Uh, you know, this kid was breaking down, and they did nothing about it. And, it's, you know, I really feel for those, you know, for the family uh, of that kid, a uh, 19-year-old boy, Um you know, it was just a complete breakdown, and, and I don't know why it took so long to come out. I guess, uh, you know, once the, uh, I guess the autopsy or, or whatever came out, uh, then the reporting, the reporters started to jump on it, and uh, then they started to dig a little deeper and looked at some of the culture that took place inside that program with the strength and conditioning coach and the head coach kind of, uh, you know, being more of a bully than a head coach, and uh, you know, I, I, it just makes you wonder too, like how much of this goes on in other programs that we don't know about, uh, you know, where a head coach kind of thinks he's the king of, of his kingdom and, uh, he, he runs things his way and he does it with a, with an iron fist. And, uh, you know, these kids, they just turn out and they, you know, they don't really care about them. Uh, you know, and that looks like that was the case here is that the way the program was run. I just think it's an unfortunate situation. I really feel bad for the the family of that boy, because it could have been avoided perhaps had they taken action when he began to break down. Uh, even when he collapsed on the field, I think it took a little while to get attention to him. So, uh, you know, it's just, it's, it's really yeah. a shame and how, how that guy can still have a job to me at this point. I just don't know how he still does. Well, I, I think well, the gray area of it right now is uh, he wasn't even there that day of the practice uh, or, or mm-hmm. when this happened. So I, I, I'm not right. sure if that's true or not, DJ Durkin, but it really is a total failure of the coaches and the trainers that keep an eye and value, that evaluate these kids every day during practices, and nobody even picked up on it and did anything about it. But these are the same people that DJ Durkin put in place. So ultimately, does it just fall on him, even though it it was it's his people he hired? But even though if he if he wasn't there, uh, is this ultimately maybe his like 
fault, I, I would say? Yeah, well, I, I think everything kind of starts at the top, right? I mean, you know, it may even cost the athletic director his job. I mean, you know, that, that to me, that's where it always should start is at the top. And you're right. He's the one who put them in charge. And, you know, the buck stops with the coach or the athletic director, maybe even higher up than that. Um, but clearly the coach, uh, you know, he needs to pay the price. And, that, and that's the thing when any scandal hits. If you're the head coach of a program, then you know what's going on. You put people in place to be in charge, and, and it's your message that you trust them to relay. And if that's the message is when a kid is breaking down and can't complete his 100-yard, you know, his 10th 100-yard sprint, uh, you don't push him harder. You, you, you tend to him, and you let him – pull him out and you make sure he's hydrated and you, you know, you, you, you care about the well-being of the kid, not his physical fitness at that point. So uh, yeah, I think the coach coaches in, in general, you know, they're the ones that are in charge of the program. And if something happens inside that program, then yeah, they're culpable. So, uh, so Ed, you know, this, and this is a good conversation to have, and we are efforting to get Mo uh, to get Mo on. So uh, we'll, we're just monitoring to see, to, to see, but that's a good conversation to have. And I kind of off off mic, if you will, with with Rick had this conversation this week, and when the, when this story with with Maryland came out, and, and just one thing after another, and and maybe because I'm in imbe- all of us are uh, embedded as far as geographically and and who we cover and what we do uh, in the Big Ten. Uh, meaning where where we live at. Not Rick. I know you're a Notre Dame guy, but but you're also like you. But my point being is this. I see a lot of stuff going on in the Big Ten that I don't see, for example, going on in the SEC. And maybe that's because in the SEC they are so paranoid of what's going on. They're over – I mean, Alabama is watching every, everything uh, Auburn does. Uh, uh, Mississippi State's watching everything Arkansas does. And maybe that's the reason. Maybe there's this, this – or maybe the Big Ten coaches and – People feel like they've reached a level where they can do no wrong. It, uh, it is, as, as, as horrible as the Sandusky scandal was, that's how I met Ed was through that, was inviting him on this show to talk about uh, Sandusky. So in recent memory, uh, just to run through a few, just in the Big Ten, Penn State, obviously uh, San, the Sandusky back in 2011, uh, Michigan State scandal involving Larry Nasser, which is still unfolding. Uh, again, we, we've already talked about uh, uh, Maryland, uh, Durkin, um, the Buckeyes, obviously, with Urban Meyer. And then they're also dealing with a, a sexual abuse scandal involving the wrestling team. Uh, in 2015, Illinois fired uh, uh, coach their coach amid uh, player treatment. Indiana did the same thing a year later. Coach Wilson is now on the staff of Ohio State, and so on and so on and so on. Is there something in the water in the Big Ten? Can somebody help me understand why there's so many scandals going on in the Big Ten? Ed, Rick, whichever one of you want to, to take that. Well, uh, I'll, I'll just jump on first and say I, I wouldn't lump the uh, the Penn State thing in with all this other stuff because even though the story was in 2010, 2011, this stuff at Penn State happened a really long time ago. Yeah, we're talking like early 90s, 80s, early 90s, something like that. Ain't that right, Ed, when all this stuff with the Sandusky happened with it? So I wouldn't lump that in with the rest of it. I wouldn't call that, you know, because we're 30 years after all that stuff happened. But I'm not sure. But at the same time, Rick, at the same time, the charges in Sandusky and it all came to surface 
2011. Go ahead. All right. So it, it, at what point do you put wins and football success over treatment of players or, or anything else? You know, uh, that's the stuff I, I'm not I, that I don't know. And all this, this stuff like this happens to like most programs. So I don't know. It's just a coincidence. Maybe these days it's all Big Ten schools. That's under, under the gun or most Big Ten schools. But th- there's a lot of like shady stuff that happens at a lot of these college football programs. So I, I think right now it's just a coincidence. I, I don't really want to tie it all together and say it's a whole conference conference problem. And def, I know the story came out in 2010, 2011 at Penn State, but I don't, I don't even want that in with the rest of it. No, all I was going to say is the, <laughs> the Big Ten's brand is very simple. It's one of the oldest conferences. It's supposed to be the most pure. Uh, in, a, in a lot of ways, a lot of people inside the Big Ten believe this, that we're more prestigious than anybody else. Maybe they got a, a God syndrome. Go ahead, Ed. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Oh, no, no, that's fine. Well, I, you know, just the Penn State stuff quickly, you know, and, and Joe Paterno took the fall, right? He was the head coach. He had knowledge of what was going on. Just like, he, you know, I'm sure Tom Izzo had knowledge of what was going on, you know, with what, you know, the troubles he had. And, you know, come on, you know, Rick Pitino at Louisville. I mean, these coaches know what's going on inside their program. They, they're they really dictators. If they don't know what's going on and they say they don't know what's going on, to me, they're, I think they're lying, um, you know. Uh, but Paterno took the fall for that, you know, probably cost him his life, um, you know, uh, what happened to him. So I just think, you know, when you look around the Big Ten, there's just so much pressure on these coaches to win and win at all costs, and that's kind of what it comes down to. And that's why you see, you know, some of these things happening, uh, you know, how they let things go a little bit. They bend the rules here and there because there's just so – there's just an immense amount of pressure to win whatever – uh, sport you're coaching, football or basketball, um, and and sometimes that will make coaches do things that you know they know is wrong. But you know they're getting paid a whole lot of money. Uh, the reputation's at stake. They're at the, you know a prestigious program, and they'll let things slide, and that's the wrong way to approach it. But I you know I understand the pressure is there for them to win, and that might be what causes them to kind of turn to turn a blind eye, if you will, to what's going on, or to allow things to happen that they know is morally uh, wrong, but they also know that they need to put up a win on Saturday afternoons if you're on the football field or, you know, during the week on a basketball court. So uh, that, that to me is really the reason. It's just that whole pressure to win makes coaches do things that they shouldn't be proud of. And they know that they're doing wrong, but they just don't let, they just let it slide anyway. So joining us now is Mo, uh, has joined us, Mo from the BS Sports Show. Mo, thanks for joining us. You have missed the squirrel sex, but we were talking NFL preseason, <laughs> and uh, we were just talking about the, the issues evolving around college football coaches, particularly in the Big Ten here recently, uh, most recently the issue with Maryland. Uh, so feel free to, to chime in on anything that you want, uh, but we'll, we'll kind of bring you into what we're talking about, and then we'll talk a little uh, NFL preseason with the Ed Kratz is with us executive producer Rick Riggin as well and there is a story behind the squirrel sex that we'll get into later on but uh, Mo as as we see these stories unfold Urban Meyer we see Maryland we see uh, a lot of uh, Big Ten it seems like it feels like there's a lot of scandal in the Big Ten and we don't really understand why that is go ahead uh, Mo well I I think like Ed said it's the pressure to win each and every week and I think a lot of things go uh, on look, you know, they, 
you think with Urban Meyer, I mean, this isn't the first time Urban's had issues at a program. You know, it it happened at Florida as well. So uh, I, I think nothing happens to him other than maybe a game or two suspension. Uh, with DJ Durkin, uh, obviously there's some issues there. And these strength and conditioning guys, uh, at times they give these guys free reign. And when you do something like that uh, and push some of these kids and, and, and push them too hard, uh, I think that was a huge mistake on their part. But the biggest mistake to me was the, the lack of medical attention or the correct medical attention that this kid received uh, from the uh, the doctors there at Maryland, just, just asinine uh, at that point. But uh, I think it goes on, you know, in every conference and in a lot of the big programs, just the, these couple of scandals have leaked out of the Big Ten here over the last couple of weeks. Uh, Ed, we'll, we'll, we'll go to you. Um, when, we, when we're talking about the Big Ten scandals, or it's not just the Big Ten – Coaching, there's a lot of pressure to to get a win. Does that justify doing things that I, you know, I, I guess we go in, in Maryland. They they were saying there might be some legal ramifications uh, for the University of Maryland as well as uh, the coaching staff. Uh, what are your thoughts when you see that happen? It looks to me like even other players could have said, "Hey, we got something going on over here," but it seemed like it just. He was just totally ignored. He didn't get the medical treatment. He, he was basically left there to die. Not literally, but it just it felt that way. Go ahead, uh, Ed. Yeah, I mean, it really takes a brave person, if you're a teammate or a player, to stand up to a coaching staff when they're giving you a scholarship or they're, you know, taking care of your meal plan and all that stuff. So, you know, to me, yeah, it, it would take a very brave person to stand up and say, hey, coach, this kid needs help. Um, you know, <laughs> Would we do that in this situation? You know, who's to say? Um, you know, but to me, you know, Mo's right. I mean, the lack of medical attention when this kid started to break down and the, to just say, hey, drag his butt across the field. I mean, you know, that's the wrong approach. And, uh, you know, I think it'll have ramifications on Durkin. I think, you know, there's probably some kind of clauses in his contract that allow them to uh, cut him or, you know, fire him uh, based on any sort of uh, immoral uh, conduct. Um so, I, you know, I don't know. I, I just think that uh, it, it's a tough situation to be in. And if you're a coach, and you know, you could be a good person going into that, and, and into your job. But then when you feel that pressure to win by, from the boosters and from the administration, and, uh, you know, you have to sell tickets on Saturday to fund, you know, the 19 other programs that you have uh, in your athletic department. That's um, a lot of pressure. And, you know, you, you like to think that, you know, you're morally clean. But, again, in that situation and you see something going wrong, would you just turn a blind eye or, or just let it slide? And, you know, I think a lot of coaches do that, unfortunately. And, and we saw a kid pay the ultimate price for that in Jordan McNair. Mo, well, you know, we see, we've seen a lot of this similar stuff happen in high school. I know you cover some high school football from time and time and time again in your neck of the woods. It, so it's not just on the college level. But it does seem like once you get to the NFL, incidents like this never happen. Could there be a lesson to be learned for both high school and college from the way the NFL handles these particular type of situations? I'm saying I'm not saying that people don't get hurt. And I know we're talking about concussions and all that's another story. But stories like what happened with Maryland, you rarely or never see in the NFL. But you do occasionally do see in high school a lot. And, and even more so than what we may realize in, in, in college. Go ahead, Mo. Well, you don't see it in the NFL because these guys have agents. They're making millions of dollars. So if there's something they don't like, 
you know, they they have uh, the ability and the uh, – I think it's a lot easier to grow a set of balls when you're making you know, a gajillion dollars a year and uh, when the team needs you. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, when the, when a team has a bad season, they don't start firing the players, they fire the coach. So, I mean, the players know they have this power when it comes to the NFL. They have the Players Association as well. And I, I think that the – the the setup of the NFL obviously is different than both high school and college because of that. You know, if college players got paid and they had agents and players associations, it could be a lot different. But the NFL structure uh, would be hard to replicate, I think, in high school and college because of, you know, just the way the, the guys are paid uh, and how much they're paid. So I, I think that's why that something like that probably wouldn't work. Well, we're going to go ahead and get back into the NFL talk because uh, Mo's here with us. We want to make sure that we get across the NFL preseason. And just remember, tune in to Breaking Rick Wednesday. Uh, and Mo will join us as he can. And um, Rick and I will be uh, talking college football every Wednesday between uh, uh, 8 and 9 p.m. Eastern uh, time. Uh, we'll start with you, Mo. Uh, your neck of the woods, uh, your team that you have your eye on and you cover in the media-wise, the Chicago Bears. They can't seem to get a snap right in the round Denver tonight. What are your thoughts? Well, you know, I think the Bears are uh, a young team that uh, is uh, is on the come up. They've uh, they've added some pieces to that defense uh, in in the past year. Uh, you know, you're going to see another year with uh, Mitchell Trubisky. He has some experience now, a little bit under his uh, under his belt. So I think that you're going to see the Bears take a step forward. My concern for me each and every year uh, for the Bears of the past few years has been. A, keeping guys healthy and keeping guys healthy at the wide receiver position. You can have a good quarterback. You can have a great quarterback. You can have a quarterback with a lot of potential. But if you don't have guys to throw the football to, it doesn't really matter. They've got a, a pretty stout, a pretty solid running game, a pretty darn good offensive line. They've built those pieces over the last few years. Uh, I, I think the Bears are a team that can win some football games this year. I don't think they're a playoff team by any stretch, but I think they're, they're better than they were last year. It's, uh, it, it's getting some talent and some skill positions for Mitchell Trubisky. I think now will be the next step for them. Rick, uh, you're up. Uh, what do you got for either Ed or and or uh, Mo? Uh, nothing much. Uh, I just want to say, oh, loud phone on the background. I don't know who that is. <laughs> uh, we talk about the jo- the Jordan McNair thing, and Ed didn't this, this didn't this just happen to a Vikings player within the past couple of years? Ed. Yes, hello. Yeah, yeah. Sorry about that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it did. I can't remember who it was. Um, but, you know, I I just want to say about that whole college uh, coaching thing. You know, Chip Kelly, when he was here, he, he tried to uh, run his team uh, ragged, you know, to keep up with his up-tempo pace, you know. And a lot of players rebelled against that. You know, I know Jason Peters, you know, that pro Bowl left tackle the Eagles have – you know, he struggled with a so-called back injury all season long. He'd be in and out of the game or he'd take practices off. And, uh, you know, I just think that whole college mentality Chip tried to bring to the NFL. And, you know, you're not dealing with teenage kids anymore or, you know, 20-year-old kids. You're dealing with grown men uh, who do have agents. And it didn't work for Chip. You know, he found out, you know, quickly enough that his players rebelled against that. So, uh you know, that's the big difference between the college and the pros is, you know, the pros, you're on scholarship and you have to kind of take what the coach does or he'll yank your scholarship. If you're an NFL player, you have the NFLPA, you can file grievances to, you have a contract, you have an agent. Um, it's a big difference. So 
I don't, but to answer your question, Rick, I don't know about who that player was. I can't remember the circumstances. But, yeah, I do remember something where uh, a lineman for the Vikings collapsed on the field. I think it was. Maybe Mo remembers. Go ahead, Mo. Mo, are you there? Sorry, I, I missed. Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, we get, we get, we're we with you. We got you. Okay. Uh, sorry. I, was, I, I think uh, the question was about be... the Vikings player that collapsed on the field, but that's okay. What I wanted to do, guys, we've got just a few minutes left here. I want to just kind of go by division preseason-wise, and we'll bounce off between uh, – Rick, uh, you and I will bounce off between uh, uh, Ed and Mo here. We'll start with Mo, AFC East. Obviously, that's where the Buffalo Bills are. Obviously, they have a sideshow going on themselves. Uh, uh, the Dolphins couldn't seem to do work yesterday. Uh, the Patriots got uh, some work done against uh, the the uh, the Eagles. So we'll start with the AFC East. Go right ahead, Mo. Well, first, just to answer Rick's question, it was Corey Stringer uh, with the player you were talking about okay. from the Vikings. That, that's uh, right. That yeah. A few years ago. Um, <clears throat> the AFC East, you know, it's funny. I've heard a couple of uh, experts say they, they look at the Patriots to have a down year. It's just hard to see in that division when you have the, the Jets, the Bills, and the Dolphins, how the, the Patriots don't win this. Um, you know, I think it would take a tremendous bounce back year from Ryan Tannehill uh, to even put the Dolphins in contention. The Jets, uh, you know, I don't know if they've decided they're, what, who they're going to start at quarterback. If they start Sam Darnold, I think he's got potential, but I don't think he's a guy who can lead him in the playoffs in the first year. And the Bills, you know, just like always, seem like they're sort of a mess inside. But, you know, Josh Allen uh, had some, uh, some moments last night. Uh, so it just seems to me like this is the uh, the Patriots division again, uh, you know, and probably in a runaway. So let's, uh, uh, Ed, we'll go with you, uh, AFC West. I just kind of want to get through these divisions while we've got a few minutes left. Obviously the Broncos, we saw, we talked about this already with Mahoney. I'm curious to see how Gruden and the Raiders are, are going to be. Uh, but what are your thoughts on the AFC West, Ed? Ed? Did we lose Ed? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Sorry about. Hello. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I just think the AFC West, the, the Raiders. Uh, you know, they, they to me look like they could be a kind of a team in turmoil. Khalil Mack. I'm getting odds on whether or not he'll be traded. Um, you know, to me, he's one of the best defensive players in the league, if not the best. Um, I, I don't know. I'm just not sold on a cohesive John Gruden uh, unit there. Uh, you know, I saw someone pick the Denver Broncos as kind of maybe a sleeper to go to the Super Bowl if Case Keenum can manage that offense. I mean, their defense is in place. Uh, you know, obviously a Super Bowl-type defense. So, you know, the Broncos could be a team. And I know the Chargers, they had a key loss. They lost a the cornerback uh, to an injury. But Phillip Rivers, you know, can he put it all together? And, can you know, he's in the twilight of his career here. Can he win a Super Bowl? He might be positioned. That team might be positioned. So, uh, and the Chiefs, you know, uh, to me that's kind of a wide-open division. But I don't think the Raiders will be near the top. I think they'll finish last. Uh, and I just think those other three teams will battle it out. Rick, you got anything? <clears throat> Yeah, uh, the thing with the Broncos, and uh, it looks like Paxton Lynch is probably probably going to call it a career here pretty soon because that's that's just the stuff I read and hear anyway. And then nobody's really sold on Case Keenum yet either. And uh, John Elway's one of the top five like greatest quarterbacks of all time. I don't think there's any argument there. So how come he can't really e- evaluate a, a quarterback coming out of college? Uh, how come? What's the uh, what's the issue there? Who's your question for, uh, Rick? I don't know. The whole group could jump in at once. Let's go to to Mo. We'll send that one to Mo. We'll send it to Tom. 
I think we no we we got Mo we got Mo go ahead Mo. You you look at uh, you look at Michael Jordan and the tough time he's had drafting players when it came uh, you know his time to draft when he worked for the Wizards and now for the uh, Charlotte Hornets. Sometimes just because you're great uh, at a position doesn't mean that you're good at, at recognizing the talent or drafting at that position. Uh, and sometimes I think that uh, when you have that much talent as a guy, you overthink it. So I mean the one the one correct thing that John Elway did do is he was able to recognize veteran talent obviously and Peyton Manning and brought that in to, to make that gap work, but. Otherwise, quarterback-wise, you're right. I think he's had a tough time when it's come to uh, evaluating and drafting quarterbacks. It, it just, I, I don't think because you're a great at one position that means you're, you're a great t- talent evaluator uh, def- necessarily that position. Mo, I want to get your thoughts on the AFC South as well, because as, I know your coverage bleeds over here as well. Uh, the AFC uh, South, uh, what are your thoughts? Well, I think it's going to be tough sledding for the uh, Colts, even if Andrew Luck uh, is able to bounce back and have a pretty decent year. I mean, you've got uh, three teams uh, ahead of you that are pretty solid teams. Uh, you know, if the uh, the Texans with the return of J.J. Watt and Deshaun Watson, I think that's a pretty formidable team. Uh, and, you know, and and why would Jacksonville take a step backwards? I think they, uh, uh, you know, they were able to win last year and get a, a step away from the uh, from the Super Bowl with a, a quarterback that everybody's kind of crapped on for years. Uh, you know, and then the Tennessee Titans, you, you look for them to continue to grow and move forward. So I think it went from where a few years ago it was the worst division in football to maybe being one of the more competitive divisions in, in football. We'll go to you and we'll finish off the AFC. But AFC North, obviously, that houses the Ravens, the Bengals, uh, the Browns, and the Steelers. I think most people would look for uh, the winner of that division to either be the Steelers or the Ravens. But a lot of people like the Bengals this year, too. Go right ahead, Ed. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know how you can like the Bengals when, you know, you still have the, the head coach and the quarterback being the same who haven't been able to get it done for, you know, what, seven years now or whatever it is. So, you know, to me, that's one of the, you know, that's kind of a walkover division, in my opinion, for the Steelers. Maybe the Ravens can be a factor, but, you know, the Browns are still, you know, the Browns. Uh, they might be a little better, but they're not going to be a, uh, a threat to win that division. And, you know, the Bengals, to me, are still the Bengals with uh, the coach and the quarterback in place. So, that's the Steelers' division, really. Maybe the Ravens can challenge them, but that, that's kind of a walkover division for Pittsburgh. So, Ed, we'll stay with you because this is your division. Uh, the NFC East, obviously the Cowboys, uh, the Giants, your team, the Eagles, the Redskins, and their multi-million dollar quarterback. Uh, you uh, live, breathe, and uh, eat uh, the NFC East, so nobody better to help us break down the NFC East for 2018. Yeah, we talked a little bit about the Eagles to start, you know, this show. Uh, and, you know, to me, it's uh, can these guys, can Carson Wentz come back and play? And, you know, I think it could be a slow start for the Eagles, but they're going to have to pick up steam as the, as the season goes on. They certainly have the talent uh, to win this division. There hasn't been a repeat winner uh, of the NFC East since 03 and 04, and that was the Eagles. So, uh, you know, they would be looking to buck the trend here. I think the Giants certainly can be a formidable, a formidable foe. Uh, in this division, if that offensive line can find its niche and, and groove, uh, and if Eli Manning can uh, kind of recapture some of the magic that he had when he was, you know, younger, uh, but he's got weapons around him. I'm looking forward to seeing Saquon Barkley play. Uh, Washington with Alex Smith is intriguing. They had a big loss with Darius Geist, the running back they were leaning on this year, the rookie. Uh, he's out for the year. Uh, and, and then uh, the Cowboys, we'll see. I mean, it's going to be an Ezekiel Elliott run-the-ball game, and if you can shut down that aspect and make Dak Prescott beat you, 
uh, I think I would take that chance. You know, Prescott really had a down year last year. Uh, he really doesn't have any weapons offensively to throw the ball to. Uh, you know, no Des Bryant, not that he was any great shakes anyway, but Jason Witten's not there as tight end. Uh, so they're going to need some wide receivers to step up. In my opinion, it's the Eagles division to win, uh, and the Giants would be the, the biggest threat to them. And maybe Washington can stay in this race long enough to make some noise, too, as the season goes on. Well, there's a couple other divisions, but I know that we kind of got off track with the squirrel sex and stuff, so I do apologize. But I, I know that, Rick, we were going to talk about the Jalen Ramsey uh, rampage. So let's just go ahead and make that the final word. Uh, obviously, I know we missed out on the, on the North, which talked a little bit about the Bears, and we, we, we talked a little bit. Uh, I think we missed out on the East. So we'll, we'll catch up on, a, on another show with that. But I did want to get to the Jalen Ramsey things, and uh, thanks for reminding me on that, Rick. Uh, so we'll start with you, Mo. Uh, what are your thoughts about the Ramsey escapade, we'll call it? Go ahead. Well, I think that, uh, you know, I, I like it just for the fact that, you know, if you look at uh, uh, great cornerbacks, a lot of times during the game we don't talk about them because the quarterback's not throwing the football to the, to the guy that they're covering. So I, I think that, that Jalen Ramsey took a page out of uh, Deion Sanders' book and decided, you know, if I'm going to get coverage and if I'm going to make myself, uh, 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 you know, a brand, uh, that I'm going to have to, uh, you know, put my personality out there. Was he necessarily correct? No, but I think as far as the marketing standpoint, and if you're trying to make uh, Jalen Ramsey a brand, that I, I think he did just that. And, and kudos to the interviewer who got Jalen Ramsey to start uh, spouting all that off. Uh, you know, any reason that a magazine can sell magazines nowadays in this world, I think is a, a good thing for those guys. So, I mean, I like the interview. Uh, I don't agree with everything he said, but I like the interview. Uh, what What are your thoughts, uh, Ed? I mean, here's the thing. Uh, I, I, I like what uh, most said about Deion Sanders. And a lot about Deion Sanders was not really so much what he was saying, but he had the unique ability to get in the heads of quarterbacks, a very good ability of getting in their head. And that's that you can attribute to uh, LeBron James. LeBron James is very good about getting into the heads. Is that what this is? Or is this just if, – if you're a, co- a coaching staff, if, you, if you're Ramsey's coach, what are you telling him? Are you going off on him? Are you telling him it was inappropriate? Sit down, shut your mouth. Or are you just letting him go and, 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 and get diarrhea of the mouth just to improve his brand and or uh, get into the heads of the QB? Go ahead, Ed. Uh, well, if I'm a coach, I think you have to let your players' personalities come out. And if that's Jalen Ramsey's personality, then so be it. You know, let him go out and say what he's going to say and – you know, maybe you just kind of tap them on the shoulder and remind them, hey, you know, just be careful what you say to the media. And, uh, you know, it was a certainly a provocative interview, and maybe it is getting inside, you know, some other quarterbacks' heads. But uh, it was a pretty wide-ranging interview, and, uh, you know, I, I had no problem with it. I think I, I like when a player shows his personality on, on or off the field. And like I said, if you're a head coach, and I know Doug Peterson does that a lot as he encourages players to show that personality. And, you know, we've seen that with Malcolm Jenkins and, Chris Long and their stance, uh, you know, against uh, social issues across the country. And, uh, you, you know, I think that, that they encourage that kind of thing. So uh, as long as you're not crossing any lines, I'm not sure he really crossed too many lines here. I just think he said what was on his mind. And maybe it's kind of, uh, you know, a little psychology to get inside players' heads. But I had no problem with it. Uh, go ahead, uh, Rick. Uh, you're up. Yeah, I actually love it. And uh, I, I think that Roger Goodell actually loves it, too, because he gets to wake up one morning and see the top NFL headline has nothing to do with the anthem. So 
uh, I think it's great all the way around. I love it. I think the worst part about it was uh, Eli Manning's comments when they told Eli about what happened, and uh, he he <laughs> said, "Who's that?" I thought that was comical. I thought that yeah, was comical. That's really vanilla. That's really weak. You know, they play. He plays. He's going to throw against Jalen Ramsey in Week One. He knows damn well who that is. So <laughs> it's pretty weak. That's the worst part about the whole thing. I, I love it. Hey, you know, I thought that was funny. Actually, I thought, hey, he he he, he literally just took a page out of his brother's playbook. Remember, uh, this is going back quite a few years, uh, but the the kicker that we had here that was that made some comments on a Canadian network, and Peyton Manning said, "Who pays attention to a drunk kicker anyway?" Who was that kicker, Mo? Who was that? Vanderjack. Vanderjack. That's right. That's right. All right, guys, we're going to have to wrap it up and put a bow on it. So let's go ahead. And we lost Mo. I apologize for that. Uh, so real quickly, uh, that was also going to be the thumbs up or thumbs down uh, poll was the Ramsey thing. So we've got our thumbs up or thumbs down poll. Did Ramsey benefit himself or hurt himself uh, with his rant in the interview? We'll start with you, Ed. Thumbs up or thumbs down? Thumbs up. Uh, Ed, Rick? <laughs> yeah, thumbs up. It's thumbs up for him for what he did for himself, and it's a big thumbs up because I just – let's go play football. Let's trash talk. I think it was great for himself and the league. Thumbs up. Okay, so I was on the fence of the thumbs up, thumbs down with this, but and it's not a, a, unusual for me to go against the grain. So I'm going to go thumbs down, and the reason why I say thumbs down, you have a guy just – spouting off whatever he wants to spout off, using whatever name that he wants to use, uh, talking about quarterbacks he knows nothing about. Uh, and, and probably also part of the reason why I'm saying thumbs down uh, because he didn't have anything nice to say about Andrew Luck. But that's neither here nor there. I think what he, he, he needs to stay in his lane. And I think trash talk is one thing, but when you encompass pretty much, we could almost say every quarterback in the league almost, uh, as as – Pieces of crap, basically, is what he said. I'm summarizing. I think you, you crossed the line. So I'm going to give him thumbs down. All right, guys, that's it. My, uh, Rick, Ed, oh, my God, Ed. <laughs> Ed, where can people find your work and your masterpieces, sir? Hey, you can check me out on Twitter at Kratzy, K-R-A-C-Z-E, and I post my links there to anything Eagles-related. And we try to retweet it as much as, as as we can. And obviously, we're going to be looking forward to having you on throughout the season. You have yourself a good weekend, sir. All right. Thanks, guys. See you. Yep. Talk See you. Bye-bye. Bye. Oh, Rick. What did we do to ourselves today, buddy? What did we do? Uh, fun show. It was a really fun show. So action-packed. We're 10 minutes past the, uh, you know, well, we're, t- we're 10 minutes into the balance <laughs> extra this week. Yeah, uh, 10 minutes. 10 uh, minutes might be a. A record for us. The usual bounce extra goes like five, six, maybe seven minutes. We're at the I know. Ten minute mark. <laughs> maybe we, maybe maybe we should uh, change the name of the show from Fortnite to Squirrel Sex. What do you think? Right. <laughs> <laughs> it might get us some clicks. I, I'm, I'm seriously uh, thinking about that. All right, Rick. What do you got going on? Uh, of course, uh, getting ready for a breaking rank coming up on Wednesday. Uh, quick. Uh, sh- uh, uh, Plug, plug the show. Tell us what we're going to be uh, talking rank. about on. Go ahead. Breaking rank. Uh, Wednesday night, 8 Eastern, 7 Central, hosted by yours truly. And uh, 
flying the ship with me, also sailing the ship, is uh, the host of the balance here, Tom Marquez. So it's going to be uh, fun. Uh, you can reach us uh, on Twitter at Rig and underscore Rick at T Balance. Uh, actually, don't know if there's a, a Breaking Rank Twitter account. They don't, they don't really need one anyway. Yeah, there is. So, there is. Yeah, there is. It's I'll, Breaking Rank One. Yeah, there uh, is. Well, I'll yeah. send it to you. At Breaking Rank One, you can reach out that way too. But I just prefer just to tweet at me. Or tweet at Tom, or just tweet at the show because this is a uh, this is a breaking rank is it, it's uh, the balance is the, the umbrella and breaking rank is one ornament or whatever that hangs off that umbrella. So, <laughs> so well, I'm not allowed. To, I'm not allowed <laughs> on social media. I'm not allowed to use the at symbol anymore. I keep getting in trouble for that. Well, so <laughs> tagging on this doesn't work the same as Facebook. Whatever. When you tag somebody on Twitter, you're talking that person. You're just talking to that person. So gotcha. even though the other followers will see what what you put, but yesterday when you sent the leak out and tagged me and Ed Moe and everybody, it 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 <laughs> it's a way where you're just sending the link to us and it's not really for our followers. So you just got to do away with tagging people totally, <laughs> unless you're actually directly talking to somebody. That's when you tag them. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. All right, Rick Riggin, we appreciate it, sir. We'll be talking with you again uh, soon, Wednesday night, and we'll be ready to go yep. and rock and roll. Ready to rock and roll. Two weeks away, Fortnite college football. Let's do it. That's right. That's right. All right, guys, we appreciate you joining us. That's, uh, we're going to have to wrap it up and put a bowl on it. We are way over time, uh, but that's okay. Uh, thanks for downloading the podcast, and thanks for uh, giving us a listen. Uh, remember, don't drink and drive. It isn't cool. We'll see you Wednesday night, 8 o'clock, right here on the Balance Radio Network. Join us next week for The Balance. In the meantime, check us out on Twitter, T-Balance, or Facebook, The Balance, or online at www.thebalanceonline.com.